Summer driving is here, and so are the red-hot deals on the best tire brands at Dobbs. Money saver June deals on new sets of Goodyear, Cooper, Continental, Michelin, and Pirelli tires. Click on GoToDobbs.com to find your next set of tires today. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Time now for the BK and Ferrario podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. The 3-2 is in the gap in left center, and that ball is down. Nolan Gorman will score. Carlson on his way to second, scoring Gorman, and it's 1-0 St. Louis. And Gorman lifts it in the air. Out to deep left. At the wall, it's gone. In opposite field, home run. Nolan Gorman with home run number 10 of his rookie season. First and third and two outs. Albert lifts it in the air, out to center, and that's number seven. Wow. 686 bombs. And what could be his final appearance here in Toronto, number five is putting on a show. I can't believe we're watching this. I can't believe it. Last <laughs> night, I just assumed Cardinals going to get swept in Toronto. The only real shot here is Adam Wainwright's on the mound. So maybe he's able to pitch a gym and you win like two or three to one. Something like that. Well, Wayno did his part. Seven innings, one earned run. And by the way, Kerry Davis, Super Bowl champion in studio with us today. That's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. The impressive part to me right now is what Adam or excuse me, Albert Poulos is doing. Albert is right now one of your most trusted hitters at the plate. It doesn't even matter if it's a righty, a lefty, high velocity, low velocity. I don't care. Albert Pools has given you a good at bat every time he's going to the plate right now. And last night was no exception. Three for four at the plate with three ribbies. This is amazing to watch. He, he is one of your best players right now, and I can't believe I'm saying that in the year of our Lord 2022. <laughs> he's dialed in right now, and it's, it's you know, early in the season, it was, it was he's going to face left-handed pitchers, and, you know, that was going to be his role. As you said, I, I think he's hitting over 400 his last 35, 36 <laughs> yeah. at-bats. He's on a streak. He's, he's on a heater, and he's, he's seeing the ball well. He's hitting the ball. He's driving the ball. Uh, he's driving runs in. And and he's playing at a high level. And this is, I don't think anyone, I think if you gave, you know, a few choices, a few options, I don't think this version of Albert Pujols is what you would think what you would be getting at this moment of the season. No. I, I think when he came back, you know, it was kind of a, a kind of a victory lap type of deal. He he had a great career here, uh, went to L.A. and and did his thing there, got got paid big money, and he's coming back on a victory tour, victory lap type of deal. He's uh, he's going to different cities and they're they're praising him and telling him great career in this, but he's playing at an elite level these these last few games and it's it's fun for a for a kid for a young man that grew up watching him to see him and Wayno and and as you said Yadi is 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 he's he, he's right around the corner he's coming back so it, it's fun to see them and them playing at this level and and 
I don't think anyone would have expected it. I don't think you could have. I, I would want to know what the wager, what the bet, you know, the over under <laughs> on how many home runs he would have or you know how many RBIs he would have. Batting average, what he would be doing. No one would be. No one would believe that this is what it would be. Um, but it's it's fun to see, and 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 you needed it. Not it's not like it's not like he's doing it in in mop up time where you're you're up by. Six. He was your cleanup hitter <laughs> last night. <laughs> exactly. He was having cleanup in you're, Toronto. And, and here's the funny part. Here's the interesting part. They took the pitcher out right before. Like we we got to get a guy. We can't have him. This is going to be his third time around. We won't. And he took him out. Took him and out. It's of the not yard. like it's some it, scrub that you're no. going up against. It was Kevin Gossman. <laughs> Kevin yeah. Gossman had three ERA going into that game. A stud and has a split finger from hell. We've seen that earlier this season. It didn't go well for the Cardinals. And then last night, it's Albert that's making it happen. He is now hitting. Carrie, think about this: three fifty in the month of July. Three fifty. He's got an OPS of one thousand in this month. Carrie, how old are you? I am forty-one. Albert Pools is 42 years old. I couldn't do this at 41. Carrie, how do you I, feel in the mornings? Like you, <laughs> the words that I have for how I feel when I roll out of bed are not allowed to be said on the air. When you see Albert Pools <laughs> running, how do you think he feels in the morning? I think he feel. I think when you're hitting this, what he feels great. I think he can't wait to get up and get to the ballpark. Yeah. When you're hitting, his bright eyes like, oh, yeah. Yeah. His now, when, when you're struggling, you're like, oh, okay. I his, his game's translating to he's got wheels now. I yeah. saw him rounding the bases he last night. He tried to night. steal second he, last night. Oh, my God. ruined it. It, it. it is fun to see. And, and it's fun to see because you need it at this point. You need you need people to to you got to have playmakers. You got to have guys hitting the ball. You got to have guys making plays. And and to see a person that you know all of us grew up watching, and we kind of like I said, we thought this was just kind of a victory tour, victory lap. We're we're gonna give you your flowers. Um, to see him playing at at this level is fun, and and again, it's needed. He's been like the saving grace here in the last month because of the fact of the matter that when. It, when we talked heading into the year about Albert, it was, Kerry, you mentioned it. He was going to just get the at-bats against yeah. left-handed left-handed pitching. And you thought Dickerson, uh, we thought maybe Gorman would play a role into that DH spot when it was a right-handed pitcher. Maybe it's Donovan if you're not going to have him in the field. Maybe it's uh, Yepes. And now you look at it, Donovan's been struggling. And like last night, for example, he had to be in the field. You look at Yepes, he's on the injured list. Dickerson is not going according to plan. Like, this month during this stretch where the team has been struggling, you needed someone to step up in that spot. And I didn't think it would be Albert, if I'm being completely honest with you. I, I did not see him hitting right-handed <laughs> pitching this year I don't no. think at anybody all. Did. And he's coming up clutch at the age of, what did you say, 42? And he's, he's coming up clutch hitting right-handed pitching. Like, when they went to the bullpen last night, I went, oh, man, okay. Sure, he went two for two against Gossman. Right. Nice, but they're going to the right-hander out of the pen. This is going to be the, well, in a typical game, maybe we pinch it here. And then he just sends a shot that almost hits the hotel in dead center. He's been unbelievable in the last month it's been a lot of fun to watch those are our thoughts on it let's hear from ollie marmol what did he think of albert Pujols' performance last night and is he just coming to expect this at this point that's what you're hoping for is um him to step up and um be able to carry us in a, in a time where we didn't have goldie and, and nolan and he did exactly that he knew it was on the line and that we were gonna have to depend on him and uh he's been in the game for a couple decades because he knows how to do that so uh He's getting more consistent at bats, and we're seeing more consistency out of him. He's also hitting the ball really hard. Yes. Like, at all times. I looked this up last night. Guys, his hard hit rate 
is higher than Paul Goldschmidt's this year. <laughs> the percentage percentage of balls in play that are hit at 95 miles an hour or higher from Albert Pools is higher than Paul Goldschmidt, who is the odds on favorite right now to win National League MVP. That feels impossible. This guy's 42 years old. And listen, like the batting average isn't where it was earlier in his career. He's not a 300 hitter anymore, but he's hitting for a decent amount of power. He's up to seven home runs on the year. Tanner asked me in all sincerity earlier today, do you think he can get to 700? That's the question that I, so I, I've been wrecking my brain about this. If, if he's, He's few, 14 away he, he's 14 right 14 now. 14 away. So, so realistically, how how close can he get to 700? We were saying we think he gets within like five, five. to seven. Because well, I think he hits like A-Rod another six ninety six. Is that is that correct? So yeah, I think he, that's he was right. four away. And, and to me, as a, I think it would be so hard to walk away being that close to. Can that you imagine number. if they tie? I, I, how can you walk away? It's like, it's like. Have you seen the movie? Was it Mister Three Thousand with, with Bernie Mac? Like, <laughs> you got to come back and get this one last hit. I don't know how you you. I, I mean, to even be in this conversation is amazing. It's fun, um, but I, I think we all want to see it happen. I don't. I don't know that it does, but we would all love to be a part of that and watch it if it was, if it's meaningful baseball late in the season and it's continuing this way and he can. I, I'm all, I'm here for it. He's forcing his way into the lineup, so yes. that's going to help him. Yes. Like him More having bets. this kind of success yes. against righties, that's how you make it possible. Yes. Because now you're going to get the opportunities to be out there. He's ten away from a rod. Yeah. That I think is a real discussion now. I don't know if he gets there. He's going to make it interesting yeah. down the stretch. And I know Dan was talking about this earlier today on with Carriker and Smallman. Like you've been around guys like this, Carrie, in your career, where there's something about the moment. Mm-hmm that they rise to meet it. There are other guys that shy, shy away from yeah. it. There's some guys that you get into a big moment or the, everybody's watching you. They shy away from right. it. That's when they shrink. Albert's the opposite. Yeah. He rises to the occasion. And so down the stretch, when I do think it's going to become even more and more about Albert and everybody can recognize this is it. This mm. is the last month of Albert Pulis' career. Like He's going to live up to that moment in a big way. And he's swinging the bat really well right now. I think it is absolutely in play. He gets to 696 getting to 700. And I understand it's only four more, but right. four more home runs is a lot. Yeah, man. He's got and you, seven you, you're running out of games. You're running out of, out of time. Had he done this early June, got 100%. on this, on this heater, you would definitely believe, Oh, it's, it, it's definitely possible. I like, I just think it's going to be running. Out, I think he's going to run out of time, but it, it is fun to even be able to have this conversation to be able to think about, you know, the possibilities of, one of the one of the greatest Cardinals to ever play, to be in this position to come back home and 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 have the success that he's having, you know, it's fun to talk about and it's fun to watch. So we wanted to talk about this as well. Albert Pujols has been a plus signing for the Cardinals this year, and you mentioned earlier, and I think that this is kind of the way that all of us viewed it. And whenever they signed him, is ah, this is ceremonial, and he's going to help them against left-handed pitching, right? It has been much more than that. He has been a necessary addition this offseason because all of the other offseason signings have been a disaster. And that includes, unfortunately, Steven Matz. Now, his is injury related. A lot of the other ones are performance related where they have not gone as expected. I think Albert Pujols, I cannot believe I'm saying this, is one of the best Cardinals free agent signings of the last seven years. Whoa. 
So here's the free list. Agent. Okay. okay. Yeah, not, free not, agent. Trades, okay. not trades. Not trades. Not re-signing <laughs> and not trades. Bringing okay. them in from a separate team in the offseason and signing them to the Cardinals roster. Here's your list of guys. You start, like, keep track on your fingers how many okay. of these you think were better signings than what Albert Pools <laughs> has been from the team so far this year. So these are some of the nominees. Steven Matz this year. I think you can write him off. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the case. Uh, last year, there was nobody of significance. There's okay. just, there's not anybody I could throw into the category. Yeah. I got, go ahead. 2020, you've got KK. Pretty good. Brad Miller. Okay. Andrew Miller was in 2019. Miles Michaelis in 2018. There's that's one. the one. That's the one that, that, I mean, his first year or so was, was uh, not, he had the injury, had, had, had something. 100%. So it's it been kinda, like a donut. Yeah. Where it's like it, good, good in the beginning, good at the end, not so great in the middle. Not, nothing in the middle. But it, it, but he's one of them. Okay, give me another one. Dexter Fowler in 2017. Nah, nope. Nah. Brett Cecil. You want to throw him mm. into the mix here? Mike Leak, who nope. they traded for they basically thought, yeah. a bag of balls and said, get out of here. <laughs> Sung Wano. Okay. Good closer. I think I think you could maybe throw him into the mix. And then Mark Reynolds is the other guy. Wow. You can make an argument that Albert Pujols is at a minimum a top three free agent signing by the Cardinals. Him and Michaelis are. are, I think I would throw Sung Wano above him because he was really good for a year as being a closer. So maybe third. That's wild to me. That is. And I also think a lot, though. It is a bit problematic when a guy who is 42 years old and right now is a slightly above league average hitter, when that guy is one of your three best signings over the last seven years, it's not ideal. Nah. Does not speak highly of the free agents that you've brought in. That's not, that's not very, that's not good. You, you would ideally like to have people come in, um, whether you pay them a lot or not, people that at least fill a role that you can say, okay, this is there, this is what they're doing. And, and have a lot of success. That's that's not that's not great. No, not great at all. <laughs> like that that list right there goes. That man, I don't a know lot. if I want to go free agent swimming. Like the Cardinals have done a very good job at, at nailing some trades. They need to trade. They, you look they, at they, yeah, yeah, you look at that free agency list, and you go Pools is arguably number two, maybe number three on that list. Man, we should probably stay out of free agency. Maybe Suddenly, maybe, the trade deadline's looking more yeah. interesting yeah. to me. Yeah. Well, you know yeah. what? I was They've wrong. They've done a very good job with, with trades in the last few years. I, I, I'm, I'm okay with that. I was wrong. I said Soto hamstrings you from playing <laughs> in those free agent waters. Maybe it's better that way. You know what? Maybe Actually, you wanted to yeah. have that hamstring. I suddenly am really interested in Patrick Corbin. <laughs> like, yeah. oh my maybe they can get more out of him. It's a super depressing list to look at. Like people talk about the trades that they've made over recent years and some of the guys they've given up, man, the trade list is way more optimistic than what they've done in the free agent market. So keep that in the back of your mind as you're thinking to yourself, Oh, this trade they just made that might hamstring him in the free agent market. As Tina said, maybe that's a good thing (laughs) coming up here in about 15 minutes or so. We'll dive into some quick hitters, including I have to get Kerry Davis's thoughts on this Kyler Murray contract, including one of the details that was announced in it that woo buddy. If that was my franchise quarterback, I'd be a little nervous right now. We'll talk about that coming up in 15 minutes coming up next though. Speaking of this off season for the Cardinals, I think John Mosaylock is going to use the next five days or so to get a jump start on what he's going to do in the offseason. We'll explain how he does that next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
not sure how big of a player St. Louis is going to be there considering how focused the Cardinals are on pitching right now. And and frankly, that's understandable. The, they have an acute need for pitching at this point. And with the number of controllable arms that are available, Buster, and the depth of their farm system, the Cardinals are in a position to make moves, plural, and, and big, impactful moves. That was Jeff Passan on the Baseball Tonight podcast alongside Super Bowl champion Kerry Davis and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie coming up in about 10 minutes or so. I want to get Kerry's thoughts on this Kyler Murray deal and what he would be thinking in the back of his mind if he was Kyler's teammate right now. We'll get into that coming up with NFL Quick Hitters in 10 minutes. But uh, I think what Jeff said there is really interesting about the controllable pitching and why the Cardinals could end up going that way. Kerry, my, my thought on this is as follows. I don't know if the Cardinals can add the necessary players at the deadline to become a legitimate contender. I don't know if that's in in play. But what I think they can do, I mean, we just went through the list of free agents that they've signed over the last seven years, and it is not pretty. Albert, Matt, KK, Brad Miller, Andrew Miller, Michaelis, Dexter Fowler, Brett Cecil, Mike Leake, Sung Wan Oh, Mark Reynolds. There's not a whole lot of legitimate difference makers on that list. What you can do is get a head start on the offseason to-do list. You know right now you need starters next year. Like Whether you add guys that can help you the rest of this year or not, you need guys that can help you next year. Because you look at this rotation, it's not going to be fewer questions. It'll be more. Is Wayno going to be back next year? I don't know yet. What are you getting out of Miles Michaelis coming off of a big workload this season? I don't know. Is Dakota Hudson going to take a step forward, or is this just who he is? We're not sure. What's Jack Flaherty's future hold? What do these prospects mean for their There's a lot of questions about this rotation now and into the future. My number one thing I'd be trying to do if I'm Mo, not just contend for this year, I'm looking at what I need for next year and trying to acquire some of those guys that can help me. So my 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 thought process on this is if you have, so it's one of two things. If you have people, prospects that you believe are are going to be good at some point, So at what point do you either bring them up or trade them for something that you can get right now? Because I think you have a team, as you said, Adam Wainwright is great as much as we love him, as great as he is. I don't think he should be your number one. I think he should. He, you know, I I think, and he's he's he is he's the he's he's their he's their guy. He's their ace. He's the one that you know you you know if all things go right, he's going to give you six seven innings and he's going to pitch his butt off every single time he's out there on the mound. But my question would be, if you have prospects that you believe at some point are going to be, you know, ones, twos, three, why not, if you're not going to bring them up, why not move them on? And so you can get something where you can act because you have it. You, you never know when that opportunity to win a championship is going to come back. Right now, you're in a position where you're three out of first place in the central, which you shouldn't be. But because of pitching, you are. Who do you? How do you go about that to get the starting pitching in here to make sure that you have an opportunity? A, we used to say in Pittsburgh, we got to get in the tournament. <laughs> it, get in the tournament. If you get in, anything can happen. But you got to get in first, and you probably won't make it as a wild card in the NL. I, 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 I just don't see how that how that pans out. So I would want to win the division, and if you have those prospects, you either need to come on with it or get them on so you can get some people in that, that are going to allow you to have success and win games. I I have always hated the notion of, oh, our farm system is great. Well, who the hell cares? When are they going to play? When are they going to be here? When are they going to show up and show out? Because and not just get here, Kerry, 
be contributing members towards winning. Because no one can. I mean, their families care, obviously. The Cardinals, you know, uh, uh, they care. But no one really cares. We care about the big team. We hey, care quick about... question. What's Memphis's record this year? Exactly. You guys know? You guys know? Exactly. How are they doing? I know I they're know. above 500. <laughs> all right, That's good. about all I know. But, but no one... Oh, <laughs> thanks, Siri. <laughs> no one is going to to that. We want to be. We want the team to here to be good. So are are these prospects guys that you know we're going to hold on to them a little bit longer? What are you waiting for? Are they are they ready to play now? Or, or are they three years away? Are they two years away? If they're two or three years away, give them to get. Let get somebody in here that's ready now that can produce and pro, and be productive now for the next two or three years instead of waiting for that because. Wainwright is is not going to be around for two or three years. Albert is not going to be around for two or three years. You don't know what uh, Goldie and and Arenado are going to look like in two or three years. Right now, everyone is is doing what they need to do and playing at the highest level. Let's go. And let's not wait. And and as you said, the free agent market is not our thing. So it obviously needs to be via trade. Let's make it happen. Or let's bring those guys up and see what they got. The other thing on this, just pitching-wise, think about all of the big time pitching prospects the Cardinals have had over the years. Like just in your mind's eye, think about all of the names that you've been sold by the Cardinals. Ah, Luke Weaver. Now think about how many of them became legitimate number one or number two starters for more than a year or two. The list is really short. What's the, two. The, the, the the Joe Kelly was one that they were really high Our, on. Uh, really, Shelby Miller. The, we can go through all of the lists, like Carlos Martinez, Jack Flaherty, Luke Weaver, Alex Reyes. Right now, Matthew Liberator, Zach Thompson. I've been sold like a dozen <laughs> different guys over the last decade of this is going to be the next yeah. guy, right? How many of them actually did become that? There you go. Now, if you've got an opportunity to trade from that depth right now, and it's going to hurt, like whatever you end up trading, those guys might become really good contributing members for another team. That is possible, but it's always possible. And it's possible that they may be hurt and not play or just be like number four or five starters. So if you can go out there and get a Frankie Montas or I think less likely, but a Luis Castillo or Pablo Lopez who have proven now to be legitimate, even if you don't think they're aces, they're front-end starters. They can start a game one, two, or three of a playoff series, and they'll match up well against whoever they're facing off against. That's what I want the Cardinals to do. Go get one, maybe even two of those guys to be able to bolster your rotation and then figure it out from there. Now, if you can go get Juan Soto and you think that's going to be something that gets you a jump start on the offseason, then maybe in the offseason you figure out your pitching woes, I'm fine with that too. But I think you've got to go down one of those lanes where this is where you begin your offseason. What Tuesday stands for is not just this year. You can help yourself for this year for sure. All of these, the unintended consequences, hey, we're going to be better now. But also, the next two years, this is a guy that can help us. BK, I'm greedy. I, I will admit that I'm greedy. I want mine. I want it now, and I want all of it. Like, I don't, and and I don't want to share. Like I want to win. I want to win it now, and I want to continue to win. So, I think that that teams that are greedy in a good way. I think of of the the Yankees when they were winning championships. They're gonna we're gonna pay for whoever we got to get. I think the Golden State Warriors have been in the luxury yeah. tax for the last few years because they're gonna they want to win, and and the amount of 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 you know, joy that it brings to your fan base, the amount of, you know, revenue that it brings in from different streams because people like winners. I don't want to tell, don't tell me that in three years, this guy's going to be, you know, the next, that's perfect. That's good. 
Can he play now? If he's going to be good in three years, why why can't he play now? Or, or if he's going to be good in three years, who is good right now that we can say, hey, this is our guy. This is going to be a guy. We just don't have the time. And I think I think oftentimes franchises that tend to wait and, 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 and you know, I don't want to say bury or hide their prospects or, or allow them just to sit in AAA. I want guys that are going to contribute to the big club that can make plays, that can help us win games. And I don't want to have to wait until they are able to do it two or three years from now. We, we, especially as a as a as a former player, we don't really rookies are cool if you can come in and help out and contribute. If not, get the hell out of the way, young man. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about it. Let the, let the adults handle this. But that that's that's the mindset. We want to win. We want guys to come in and contribute. And if you're a younger guy that can do that, we'll welcome you. If you're not, okay, let's find some people that can. And I think the thing for me is like of how deep the system is. It isn't like you like you mentioned potentially get two controllable arms. I don't think you have to get rid of a Jordan Walker, who's a guy no. that I think is viewed as a top end stud that will be here in probably two years. And then like I look at the farm system, it's not like you're going to break the bank to go like Juan Soto. You're breaking the bank. I think two controllable arms. I don't think you necessarily have to break the bank. Now, yeah, it's going to be uncomfortable because yeah, you are parting with some of those top end prospects, some top end arms, probably some of your. Uh, t- top 100 guys in terms of all of Major League Baseball, like a Burleson, I think McGreevy or Tink Hitz may be on the move. But to Kerry's point, I mean, those guys are great. And sure, you have eight top 100 prospects. That's great. How many of those guys do the Cardinals really project to be in terms of being here for six plus years and being huge contributors? I think Walker's the one that they'd argue. Uh, other than that, maybe win. I know Herrera because I think Herrera's the catcher of the future. But everybody else, I think, is just kind of a kind of the X factor. You don't truly know what you're going to get, and if you can go get a proven commodity, not just for this year, but for the next two plus years, I think it's worth it to be jumping into those trade waters and go get two controllable assets. To me, a prospect is just a person that has not done it yet. <laughs> That's what a prospect is. He he has he or she has not done like there. There's one of the the the, the worst. The, the most dangerous words in professional sports is potential because that could mean he has the potential to be, you know, the next Babe Ruth or, or you know, maybe not. You, you, you don't know until they actually do it. And, and if you have people that are actually doing it at the level that you want, it, then that's why, I, that's why I'm a proponent of either bring them up and allow and see. I, you, you don't want them to fail. You don't want to throw them into the fire and, and, uh, and they fail. But you got to know who you got and what you got. At some point, you got to. At some point, these guys. I, I hear about prospects in the farm system so many times with the Cardinals. I want guys that are going to compete and play at a high. I, again, you can tell me what the what the Memphis Redbirds record is. I, I <laughs> and tell me who's playing well and what they're doing night in and night out because I don't see them on my TV. What I do want to add here, because we do have some people that are asking, like, okay, great, go get the arms. Who's available? Here's Jeff Passan again on the Baseball Tonight podcast yesterday talking about how suddenly the controllable starting pitcher market, which is what we're talking about here, guys that aren't just going to be here for the 2022 season, but also 2023 and potentially beyond, is flush with talent. What's happened over the last few days is it's been awfully interesting to see how many controllable starting pitchers are available right now. That is the most flooded segment of the market because beyond Castillo and Montas, you've now got Tariq Skubal in play. Uh, The Houston Astros are considering moving one of their starters because they've got six on the big league roster right now. Moving one to try and get either 
say Josh Bell right now uh, or some prospect capital to turn around and get that, uh, whether it's Bell, Contreras, someone else, I think is is a very real thing. So he mentioned Castillo, Montes, one of the Astros starters. Pablo Lopez is a guy that we've brought up before as well. Uh, Scooble is another one that is potentially out on the move. That's five different teams that you could be talking to right now for controllable starting pitchers and guys that are more than just what you have at the back end of the rotation. If you got one of those dudes and then you traded a bag of balls to be able to bring on the contract from Noah Syndergaard and maybe he ends up helping you the rest of the year. I think he could be a solid number four starter. That gives you an opportunity both for the rest of this year and then also something to build around in the future. That's if they can't get Soto, I think that's what my ideal trade deadline looks like for the Cardinals. My number one, I would love to get Juan Soto and figure out the rest later. If you can't do that, and it seems like the Padres are are the front runner there right now. They're aggressive. They have urgency to try to win right now. That feels like the team that he ends up landing on to me or he's not traded at the deadline. The secondary pivot is getting one of these arms, maybe two of these arms, and then figuring out the rest later. I think that's my ideal trade deadline. What's yours look like? Juan Soto <laughs> or bust <laughs> and, 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 and whatever else you can get. I mean, obviously you, you need pitching that, that, that is the, 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 the issue that one of the main issues that they're having right now is, is starting pitching. You have Flaherty hurt Dakota Hudson, uh, Palante. If, if you don't know if he, I don't think he, he may not be a starting pitcher. He's a guy that, that it, it, not at a three, he might be a four or five later yeah. on in the rotation. So, you know, it's just, you need starting pitcher. Wayne Wright is 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 an older man, and and again, I'm an older man, and we get out of bed and it hurts most mornings. So to have him being your ace and your lead guy, it's taxing. And and the later you get into the season, now it becomes an issue. Is is he going to be able to stay at that high of a level? You know, in August when it's crunch time, when it's time to really try to see if we can make this this push for for the division win. Um, Pitching, obviously, but if you can get a bat like Juan Soto and you have Arenado and and you have Goldie and you have <laughs> Pujols who's hitting the way that he's hitting right now, um, it puts you in a position where, hell, you might need to score eight runs in order to win a game. So if you can't get the pitching, get the hitting and get, get guys in there to put runs across across the plate. I think I've reached a level to where I'm willing to break apart the farm system, but if I'm going to do it, it's not for Soto, it's for two controllable arms. And I I texted you last night, I was able to work together a couple of trades where you give up some prospects and even a guy might be from Canada that might be really big named Tyler O'Neill in one of these trades and go get Pablo Lopez and and, uh, Tariq Skubal. Like, I I think, and if you look at the rotation... I don't think I'm willing to give up what it's going to take to get Skubal. See, He's I, just going to be so expensive Scooble, with prospects. Either Scoobal or Montas. I think either or. Sure. One of those two bring in with Pablo Lopez. And I was just doing the math, and I'm kind of like projecting out in terms of like, I don't know exactly what Flair is going to be making, but it's not going to be a large increase. Lopez is going to get a decent size raise. And if you got Scoobal, you could do him at the league minimum. He's the one that I was doing at uh, in this scenario. You'd be committing $60.5 million to your rotation next year. Um, I know that sounds like a lot. Uh, and that's bringing, guys, though, it's not and that's bringing back, Well, that's bringing back Wayno too. Yeah. So that's six guys. I've got six guys in the rotation in terms of Michaelis, Wayno, Flaherty, Mats, Lopez, and Scoobal slash Montas. If you have Montas, it's probably around closer to $70 million next year. 
I know a lot of people say, well, that's too many starting pitchers. What are you going to do with one of them? Somebody's going to get hurt you potentially in spring training. In worst case scenario, I got a six man rotation, and depending on what I have to give up, maybe there's some arms in the system to back those guys up. And I have an issue like the Astros have right now, where it's like, oh wow, we have too many starting pitchers. Well, this isn't a bad problem to actually have. It's a good problem. That, that's the way that I want to go. I want to kind of divvy up your load of prospects and go get two controllable arms. If I were to make the argument for Juan Soto, it would be this. I think that the Cardinals might be able to get him for less than what it would cost if the Nationals were making him available in the offseason. And the reason why I say that is because a team like the Dodgers, for example, I don't think they're going to be able to make this move because so many of the pieces that they would trade for Juan Soto if it was the offseason are guys that they're counting on to help them win a World Series right right now. And so you're robbing Peter to pay Paul to be able to get Juan Soto now. Now, in the offseason, they could trade those guys to the Nationals, replace them with somebody coming in either via free agency or a separate trade elsewhere, and now you're just constructing your team in their offseason, and and you have more time to be able to assemble that. I don't think you can do that right now. Same thing's true of the Yankees. Uh, The Mets, I don't think, were ever an option because they're in division, but the same thing would be true of them. Same thing for the Giants. Like If the Giants do think they're going to contend, and they're apparently not selling right now, which I think is a crazy idea, but whatever, they would probably have to trade Logan Webb in this deal. He's their number one starter. They they don't really have a pitching staff without him. So I don't think that they're going to be involved in this either. I'm taking away a lot of the players that you would typically expect in a sweepstakes like this. So I do think when you've got fewer teams that are involved in the bidding, the price might be less than what we're expecting. It's going to be exorbitant. This is one of the best players in baseball. He's 23 years old. He's got two and a half years of control. It's going to cost a lot, Mm -hmm. but it could cost less than it would if it was an off season deal. And so that actually feels kind of John Moselocky. Like he's looking for opportunities where I have a little more leverage here than I otherwise would because of a specific set of circumstances. The Nationals are getting sold. That's why they have urgency to trade him now. And these other teams might not be able to make the move right now. I still think the Padres are the favorites. But if I was making the argument in favor of trading for Juan Soto, it's that. It might actually cost you a little less than what some are expecting it to. And and you would have him in a in a in an opportunity for a playoff push where we want to. Like I said, we're three games out. You have an opportunity to, which you shouldn't be three games out, but be, but you are. You are where you are. You get a bat like that in your lineup, left-handed bat that can that can you know take care of business. Why not? I think I'm in. Why not? Alongside Kerry Davis, he's the Super Bowl champion. That's Tanner Hendrickson, and I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up in 15 minutes, we'll get into questions and answers. But coming up next, NFL quick hitters, including. A detail in uh, Kyler Murray's contract that I have to be honest, I don't think I've ever seen before. We'll talk about that next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Champion Kerry Davis and Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kylie's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Let's dive into some quick hitters, and I am very excited to get Kerry Davis's opinion on the new Kyler Murray contract. So, if you haven't seen this yet, there was a interesting, surprising, compelling detail that was <laughs> added to Kyler Murray's contract. It is what some are calling a homework clause. He is required to do four hours of film study on his own per week 
without playing on an iPad, <laughs> without watching television, without playing video games while watching the film. This is in writing in his contract. And if he violates this clause in his contract, he is then no longer guaranteed all of the money that is currently in his deal. Now, Carrie, <laughs> if you were a teammate of Kyler Murray's and you saw this detail reported, uh, what would your reaction be? Uh, troubled, I guess, wondering how how we got to this point. I, I mean, as a professional athlete, that is your that's your job. You know, you, you, you are your job is to, you know, take care of your body, show up on time, be ready to work, understand the, the philosophy of, you know, whatever your offense or defense is doing. Um, understand where you're supposed to be. You have to watch film of your opponents. Like that's your job. And to have to have that in your contract as a teammate, I would kind of be. I, I mean, you know what's funny? I probably wouldn't be wondering why it's in there. I would already know why the 100%. hell it's in there because he's not watching any damn film, fellas. That's why it's in there. He's not watching enough film, or he's watching film while he's playing on the video game. And and you know we have. I a, think that's we, my <laughs> favorite detail. You can't Which, be playing video you, games while you're allowing the film to be played. You can have the film running, and you can have it off to the side while you're playing the video game over here and on your headset, and it's running, looking like you're you're actually watching film. Um, at some point, I was telling you this earlier, when you're a super ath- athletic person, when you are, you know, God gave you this abundance amount of, of talent where sometimes those guys don't have to work as hard. I think even though Kyler Murray is is is, is smaller in stature, he's he's a freak athlete. He's one of those guys. I mean, he was, he was a first-round uh, pitcher, I believe, wasn't he? Uh-huh. Drafted in the first round in, in baseball by the A's. He's a freak athlete, Heisman Trophy winner, a guy that can do do it all. So at times, and I don't know this to be true, I don't know this personally, I'm just speaking on experience of guys that have that amount of talent, they don't always have to be the elite studiers of the game because it comes so naturally to them, and, and that may be Kyler's story. Can I read you a quote from Kyler? This is his own words a year ago. Quote, I think I was blessed with the cognitive skills to just go out there and kind of see it before it happens. I'm not one of those guys that's going to sit there and kill myself watching film. I don't sit here for 24 hours and break down this team and that team and watch every game because in my head, I already see so yeah, much. I, I saw those cognitive skills in the wild card round against the Rams. <laughs> it, 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 that, that helps. And I'm saying being able to to diagnose something in real time helps. You mm-hmm. know what helps more? Know it's knowing when it's coming. Knowing that on third down they like to do this. That helps more. Yeah. It is it is it is more beneficial. It it is it is a greater benefit to you and your team to understand there and now I will I will say this in fairness. It can be a lot. Like it, there are so many things. There are what is their favorite coverage? I, dude, hey, I, like I know the basics. I know, you know, who their main blitzers are. I know how they like to blitz. There are some things that, that can become too much, but you need to know the main things of, of what defense they're in, when they like to blitz, where they like to blitz from, and who likes to blitz and how they blitz. And if you know that and what coverages they're running, if you know that as a quarterback, you put yourself in a very good situation uh, to be successful, much much greater than than just I, I see it.
I'm gonna see it right. That, 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 that's gonna. Somebody gonna says struggle. on the text line, "How do they monitor if he's doing it on that's his own?" That was my wonder. question. So they can track how long you've been watching the yeah, film. The I way know. that it works now is they can see on the tablet yeah. how much we, is player X watching we have versus that player as Y. High school coaches, I can see how much. But what I can't tell you are they playing video games yeah. in the they background? Just hit the button <laughs> and they're playing video games while they're hitting the button. Are they engaged are they, with are, the film or is the film on while know. they're doing something else? I don't know. Is the cam- Are there going to be cameras in this building? And he's set up like a security system yeah. in Kyler's. He's going to go over to Cliff's house. So yeah. this is the way it happens. We all saw Cliff's house uh, for oh, the yeah, draft, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. He's going to go hang out at Cliff's, and he's got a designed area where there is nothing and, in the room other than the tablet. And, and let's be honest. <laughs> if you're watching film, you're going to be on your phone. Sure. It, like it's just, I, I mean, I find myself watching movies sometimes and picking up my phone. Like, what am I? What is this? I, like, it just happens. So I don't know how he's gonna. I don't know how they're going to know that he's not watching at least four hours, you know, uninterrupted. But it, it's interesting that they had to put oh, it in buddy, the contract. That it says is a lot. Quite the clause. Yes, that is quite the clause. All right. So another NFL quarterback related story that I wanted to get to is Devonte Adams, who qua- caused quite a stir the other day. He said, anytime you change quarterbacks from one Hall of Famer to another, it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment. Of course, he's referencing going from Aaron Rodgers, the Hall of Fame quarterback, to, in his mind, Derek Carr, a future Hall of Fame quarterback. Now, obviously, Derek Carr is not a future Hall of Famer based on the trajectory of his career thus far. I don't think anybody would argue that. However, I am curious, Kerry, as you look around the league today, How many quarterbacks do you think are locks to be future Hall of Famers? Because I've got five of them that I think are locked in right now. I think it's Mahomes. Okay. Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and I've got Matt Stafford as a lock now that he has been to and won a Super Bowl. And given all of the yardage numbers that he's put up over his career, I think those are the five that I would say those are locked in. Mahomes, say it again. Mahomes, Russ, Russell. Rogers, Rogers, Brady, Brady Stafford. Stafford. Okay. I now, there's others more. that I could listen to arguments either way, but I think those five are locked in. Do you think those five are? Do you agree yes. with that list? Yes, I do. Mahomes, I, I definitely. I mean, obviously, uh, <laughs> Brady and, and, and Patrick Mahomes and... Aaron Rodgers, yes. Um, I would add, and this is this is this is projecting some years sure. down. I would add uh, Josh Allen. So he was in my next list of trending in that direction. Yeah, I've got him there too. I would add Josh Allen. I would add. I would add. I would add Lamar Jackson. I've got him on my trending because in the right direction he is, list. He is. He is. He's going to be. So I, what I an think MVP. He's gonna, yeah, he's going to be one. He's of them. unlike anything I've ever seen at the position. And if he can, t- if he has more playoff success, I think he's a no doubter. That's the last thing that needs to be on his resume. I, I, I don't think I can't say Justin Herbert yet. I haven't seen enough. He was in my trending I, in that direction, I but it's, it's so still, early. It's too, it's too. And Josh Allen and him are are, are roughly the same. But I, I think Josh Allen, just based on you know ha- having had some playoff success, and I just see him more so than I would Herbert. I'm, I'm going to give you one that you probably missed out on and, and probably I've didn't see more, though. We'll see. Matt Ryan. Yep. That's who I said. So, you know that's what? That's who I think. That's funny. He's an you MVP. That. He, he had a. He, he, I mean, if he despite, won the Super Bowl, I think he's in. I, I you know, I. Seventh, eighth all time in passing yards. Matt Ryan is going to be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, but I think he's as a much lock. As, as much as people may not like to hear that, 
or may not think How of him as How many quarterbacks, that. though, from this era can they put in? Because it's a logjam, man. You've got uh, Peyton. Uh, he probably got won't be the first. He probably won't Maybe be the first. In eventually, but he, he'll get in eventually. Um, but Two yeah, other I mean, guys it, it that is. I would throw into the mix. Young guys as well, where we need to see more. One of them I'm going to save for the end because there's some disclaimers. <laughs> okay. Joe Burrow. He is so unbelievably young. But I'm in his second not, year. Not, yeah. I, well, it, it was really his first year because he, he was hurt. He got hurt. He missed a, a major portion of the season with the ACL tear. So it, you're really going off of which it was a hell of a year now. Absolutely. <laughs> but I, I would I would hold off on Joe. But I can see your I can see your point in that. And then the last one. And again, there are so many disclaimers yeah, I, on this yeah. one off of the field yeah. and on the field. He's been nothing short of phenomenal. Yeah. Every time we've seen him so far. We'll see what the rest of his trajectory looks like. He's going to have to do a whole lot of cleaning up his image. And even then, I think it's a question. But Deshaun Watson is one that I just like put an asterisk next to it. I don't know what the rest of his career looks like, but his on the field play so far has been a future Hall of Fame trajectory. If you have none of the off the field stuff, he you would he wouldn't even be it wouldn't even be a question. He would have been in your first group of five. He'd be in the Josh Allen category of like everything's trending in that direction. I think he would have been ahead of Josh Allen and, and in that group of five, you would have changed it to six. Interesting. I, I I think just on the field, he is that talent. He's he has that much talent and that much ability and understands the game. But I don't want to. All that other stuff is is you know it, it's a mess. So somebody on the text line said, "There's 28 quarterbacks in the Hall of Fame, and you guys want to toss in 10 more." Yeah, it's the golden era of quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah. The I best, mean, best quarterback we've ever seen, sir, ma'am. They were throwing the ball twelve times a game. <laughs> uh, come on, man. What are you talking about? Yeah, that's yes, probably, that's probably I, our, I do. That's probably our do Kirk Cousins favor. <laughs> Go do two things. To look up two guys their pro football reference pages whenever you've got a chance on your on your own time. Look up John Elway and look at his stats. And then look up Troy Aikman and look up his stats. You could look those at Terry Bradshaw. It's probably, it, it, I mean, 100%. These, they those were the best quarterbacks yes. of their era. Look at how their numbers compare to yes. the current era of yes. quarterbacks. And then you tell me, should there be more quarterbacks from this it's era? It's going to be a in? lot. The, the f- football has changed <laughs> drastically from the 80s to the 90s to, you know, where we are right now and, and well, way past that in, in the 60s and 70s. The quarterbacks was, are just going to take the spots of the running backs. Yes. Yes. I know people don't want to hear it, but how many running backs are future Hall of Famers in the league? That's right another now? one. That oh, I mean it's right now very slim. De- Derrick, Derrick Henry. Henry, yeah, I, uh, he would. Derrick Henry is uh, one. Christian McCaffrey stays healthy. No, I don't he, think he's, he, he's had so many. He's had, I, and I only know this because I've drafted him three years in my dangle. <laughs> I will never draft him again. He's going to go off now. He hasn't finished two or three years in You're a row. Right. If if he were, it's a huge if. Like this is this is a massive. If he stays healthy, he's he's amazing. But it's not. Is that the end of the list? Alvin Kamara. He's now got off. Maybe, but yeah, he's got he's got the off field question. I don't think that's something that'll keep him out of the Hall of Fame. But there might be a suspension there that takes away games in his prime. I think, and I just don't think he's done it long enough. If this man would do what he's supposed to do and hand the ball off to this man more than he does. Nick Chubb is one of the best running backs in the NFL. Totally agree. And I, for the life of me, you could not understand. Yes, he did. <laughs> like 600 pounds. Wasn't I crazy. could not understand he did it on a why bar that was bending like this. They wanted Baker Mayfield to throw the ball that much. When you have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in your backfield, just turn around and hand it off and play action down the field every every four or five plays. I yeah, come on. But, yeah, I think Nick Chubb, if, if he's able to 
stay on and well not healthy if, if they give them the damn ball. Yeah. I mean, Kevin, that's that's two. That's two. Probably previously, it. I mean, you look back at the nineties, I think there was like ten I, running backs from the nineties that ended up getting into the Hall of Fame. So there's there's your difference. There's gonna be more I quarterbacks that are taking the spots of the running backs now. I think Dalvin Cook would be on the Maybe will get in. List. He's not oh, obviously yeah, he's not active, there, yeah. but from this era he'll get in yeah. eventually. I think LaShawn McCoy might get in. He'll Frank be a Gore. borderline Frank Gore. I know yes. you hate Why Frank Gore. Why do you Gore? hate Frank? You don't like Frank Gore? A hater. Have you ever looked Frank up? Frank Gore is the third. Isn't he third all-time rusher? Yeah, yeah congrats, BK... congrats. You, you were. <laughs> this is the participation trophy BK of the Hall of Fame. Congratulations on pilot. being oh, no. in the league for 20 years. No. Sweet, you were there no. when somebody else got hurt at no. the end of your career. Do you know how hard? Real it, when was his last year? How old was he? 36, 37? 37 years old. Now that's remarkable. Do you know how hard it is to run the football at 37 years old, Carrie? I don't. You do, and so you. I will tell you this, BK. I played. I played. I had to play running back a couple of times in the league where I was, you know, getting the ball. And I woke up the next day and I asked Willie Park. I said, "What do you do this every Sunday? (laughs) Like this is how you feel on Monday? Every like I have things hurt that I didn't even know I was getting hit there. I have a lot of pads. Oh, I'm talking. Everything hurts. If you want to put him into the Warrior Hall of Fame. For being, oh, for being, a, for being oh, unbelievable with his body holding up over the years, I'm more than happy to do that. Oh, no, we this not, man averaged four yards per carry. For any Frank Gore slander on these airwaves this morning, do you morning. know how many years it was? I know it doesn't like Frank Gore. <laughs> Frank Gore had ten or more touchdowns on the ground. How many times do you think in his entire career in one season? Ten or more. This is not a high bar say, to clear, guys. I would say three times. One. He did it once. He had a 15-year NFL career. He had 10 or more touchdowns in a season once. And this guy's going to be a I was going to say four, All but right. the way you were talking, I figured I needed to go a little he lower. He finished with 80 rushing touchdowns. That Man, Derrick Henry's going to have that in three years. He's Get consistent. Get, he was a like five-time Pro Bowler. So, so then, then, then you out. feel that Emmitt Smith is not the great, that he's not no, one of. No, because Emmitt's peaks were incredible. Emmitt at one time was the best running back in the NFL. There was never a time in his career where you said to yourself, right. you know what, if I was starting a team, Frank Gore's you're, the running you're, back you're that I'm You're one getting. of those guys that say if Barry Sanders had Emmitt Smith's line, he would he would have rushed for 4,000 yards. Are you you that 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 guy? Well, yeah. Did you <laughs> see Barry? Did you see those hips? And don't lie. With Kerry Davis and Tanner Hendricks. And I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up in 15 minutes, we'll play it, believe it or not. We're behind Mike Farron, host of MLB Network Radio, is going to join us next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Davis and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. We are happy to go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line to talk to one of my favorite baseball analysts in the country. He's Mike Farron. He's a host over on MLB Network Radio. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike underscore Farron. Mike, I remember we had a conversation and I always reference what you said in our in our talk. I think this was like a year and a half ago now. And he said, I always feel like the Cardinals are one guy short going into the season. And this year it felt like they were one pitcher short. And Mike, they are multiple pitchers short now as we head into the trade deadline. We appreciate you hopping on with us today. How do you view this Cardinals team as we're like five days away now from the deadline? First of all, I want to know if you're going to give that same introduction to my co-host, Jim Duquette, when he's on in an hour. I'll say he's, he's one of my one favorite, of my favorite former MLB general managers to talk to. <laughs> 
How much more are you paying him than me? I need to get the checks uh, clearing here. That's, that's confidential. You know we can't do that. <laughs> then, that. Then you guys start bidding against each other. We can't have any of that. We honestly, we, we just, like, the last break, we just got off the air like five minutes ago, right? Last break, he goes, hey, are we on the same radio show an hour apart? And I went and looked at the tweet, and I was like, oh, my God, I didn't even realize. That. <laughs> <laughs> this is a big day for us, Mike. We've got two, two of the big guns coming out. You got Power Alley represented here. That's hey, right. listen, anything to promote the program. Um, yeah, so I mean, like, I think the obviously the Flaherty injury and, and the Matt's injury are really significant for the Cardinals. And, you know, they, they I, I feel like they need something that's a little bit more of an upgrade than last year's moves with, you know, Happ and Lester and, um, you know, trying to get, get some innings out of them. But I don't think that they necessarily need to go push their biggest chips in for starting pitching in this. Um, I think there's, you know, like I, I have a little bit of concern just because he's a rookie and because, you know, he wasn't necessarily viewed as a starting candidate to open the year and what Palente brings in the second half too. But I think that they can, so they can accomplish all the things that they want to do with the depth that they have in their organization right now. Like they can go out and trade for, you know, two starters and still find themselves in, you know, in the mix on the biggest gun that's out there in Soto. And, I, it's just a question of whether or not they do it. They they have tended to be a bit more conservative at the deadline uh, of late. I thought Derek Gould did a good job of capturing that. Um, I think it was yesterday. Um, but like there there are they're certainly in a position where they're going to need to add a couple of starters, and I fully expect them to do that. But I wouldn't. I would be surprised if it were any of the sexier names. I don't see Pablo Lopez or or Frankie Montas or Luis Castillo necessarily as being fit so much as just guys that can get them some innings. Hey, Mike, you, you spoke about Juan Soto and, and BK and I earlier were talking about, uh, you know, where he may land. Are the Cardinals the, the, the odds on favorite? Are there other teams that, that could possibly jump in and, and, you know, sweep him up off, us, up off of his feet? Yeah, I don't I wouldn't call them the odds on favorite. Again, because I don't think that this is this is a front office that hasn't pushed in for this player when they're at peak value. Right. They, they took advantage of. Um, you know, the contract situation with Colorado to get the Arenado. They took advantage of the fact that the Diamondbacks were going to be able to extend Goldschmidt to be able to trade for Paul Goldschmidt. So it doesn't necessarily fit what their MO is. Now, that said, in fairness to them, like this player has never been available at the trade deadline, like ever. So, um, so we don't really have a great analog for it. I think the best way to look at it is they have – the collection, the, the combination of young major league players and close to the big league prospects that make the most sense for Washington to do a deal. It's just a matter of whether or not they would be willing to part with everything that's going to get you Juan Soto. And let me make this clear. And I like the Cardinal system. I like a lot. I love Jordan Walker. I'm excited about Mason Wynn. I think. You know, like, I think Michael McGreevy is going to be really good. Like, I like, Graceffo's had a terrific year. Like, there's a lot to like there. And with Gorman and Carlson and Donovan on the big league roster, I mean, those are good players, too. Like, they have a lot of, of pieces that, that are good spots. And this is not to, like, take anything away from any of these guys. But whatever the cost is, the answer should be yes. Because there's only one Juan Soto. And none of those guys that, that we're talking about are going to play at the level that Soto does. Even Jordan Walker is a top 10 prospect. 
the, the way the, the prospects in baseball are right now, there are a lot of really good ones that are in that kind of like top 15, 20 range, but none of them are Julio Rodriguez or Bobby Witt Jr. or Adley Rushman, um, or even by reputation what Spencer Torkelson is. There are a couple of guys that I think have a chance to be able to get there um, to be star level players, but there's not, there's not that transcendent star that reaches Soto's level. And because you get the guy for two and a half years before he tests free agency, like, that to me is like, this is the time that you push your chips in to be able to acquire that guy. And the Cardinals are in the best position to be able to do that while not gutting their system because their system is deep. And Mike, I think the pushback from a lot of Cardinals fans to that, and I actually, I, I know that the pushback that Cardinals fans have had over the last week or so as we've been discussing this seriously is, okay, great, so you get another bat, but the problem is the pitching. What would be your response to that? Well, why can't you do both? I mean, that's the thing is that, like, again, the cost of acquisition on those kind of innings starters isn't going to be so high that it's going to cost you those players. Like, like it's going to be higher than what, you know, we haven't seen a starting pitcher move at the deadline, right? So the best we have right now is Ben Kendi, who was an all-star, for two months of, um, of control for the Yankees, cost three A-ball pitchers, two who were on the back half of the top third of the list. There's not going to be that much difference between that and the type of starting pitchers that I'm talking about that the Cardinals should be looking at acquiring. They don't necessarily need to get that front-line starter in that. that that's not where they need to go. Now, unless the Angels are going to make Otani available and then you give up the package for, for him for a year and a half versus what you would for Soto, like, that's fine because you're adding two pieces, basically. But I don't. But that's not going to happen. So, like, I don't see there being a guy that you necessarily need to push those chips, and they can preclude you from doing those other things and still have a good system. That's where they stand. They built the system to be able to be in a position to acquire this player, and and if they can, I think they should do it because they they have a long history of acquiring star players via trade, and it's worked out really well. And even if you don't re-sign Juan Soto, and trust me, he's going to go to free agency, and he probably isn't going to re-sign, you get him for three pennant races for one of the most impactful offensive players in baseball. I think it just it makes all of the sense in the world. Yeah, I think, Mike, adding Juan Soto to, to the hot-hitting Albert Pujols would be a, a, a wonderful thing. What have you made of, of what he's been doing the last few games, last few weeks? I mean, it's just kind of fun. I mean, like, I'm not expecting Albert to be an impactful guy down the stretch just because Albert's closer in age to me than he is to his teammates. You know? <laughs> like, it's just, uh, like, but it's cool as hell. Like, watching the reaction to everybody at the All-Star Game at the Home Run Derby was fantastic. Yeah. Like, the fact that Albert got to be on that stage. And this is one of the, I mean, like, you forget because the last several years did not go well with the Angels. And I think that there are, there are, you know, a generation of fans that are just coming into the game that know the stories of Albert Pujols more than they know who Albert Pujols really was as a player in his prime. And for somebody like me who watched, you know, I worked in Chicago when he was coming up, I had to see a lot of Albert. I mean, it's just like, I'm so glad that we have a chance to be able to um, say goodbye to his career as a player in this manner because he was such an important player. Like, he's such an important... Like, he's one of the handful of the greatest right-handed hitters of all time. He's one of the handful of the greatest hitters of all time. He's an inner circle Hall of Famer. And so, I think it's cool that he's in the Cardinals uniform here. I'm, I'm excited when he comes up with big hits because 
uh, it's really cool, but I don't think it's, you know, listen, if you had two good days in Toronto, I don't know that Albert's going to hit like 350 down the stretch. That would be a bit of a shock. Uh, that would be a lot of fun, though, if he did. Uh, Mike, oh, yeah. Fer- Mike Farron's our guest for, here for another couple of minutes here on 101 ESPN. Uh, Mike, you mentioned you're not sure that the Cardinals are going to be players in the top end of the pitching market. So the Luis Castillos, the Frankie Montes, the uh, Pablo Lopez. What market do you think that they will be playing in then? Because I, we've mentioned Noah Syndergaard's name a number of times. We've yeah. talked about Martin Perez. What, what do you think maybe is the level of pitcher that they're going to be talking about? I think Syndergaard's a good name. You know, I think, I think you're looking at rental pitchers. You know, like Castillo and Montas are going to be a little bit more pricey because they have a year and a half of control left. Um, so you know, a year and a half before they hit free agency. So I would think that they're probably looking more at the rental types. I think mean, Syndergaard's a great name. He's had a really nice season with uh, the Angels. They, they, it, the stuff has kind of fluctuated from start to start, but um, you know he's kind of more of a ground ball pitcher um, at this point, and he has you know taken advantage of the fact that the, he would take advantage of the fact that the Cardinals tend to play very good defense. And so I think he's. I think it's a great name, a great fit, and if the Cardinals were willing to take on the money. Um, you know, there's probably uh, a little bit less in terms of cost for prospects, too, because he's still owed about $7 million from here to the end of the season. You know, if you were to look at, like, the Reds, maybe Tyler Molly gets you, uh, costs you a little bit less. You know, he is controllable for another year beyond this year, so maybe that's a guy. Jordan Lyles has put you the day to bulk for Baltimore if they decided to move him. It's, you know, if you look at Lyles' numbers and you're going to go, yeah, it's not that great. He's fine. Like, he, but... He's having one of the better seasons of his career. He can, you know, pitch at the back of a rotation. He can give you innings. He's going to take the ball every fifth day. Like, those are the things that I think that they, they should look for. Now, the equation changes if they decide that they're just not going to play in the Soto, um, in the Soto pool because then all of their prospects become available. And maybe they do go for somebody bigger. But I, I would be surprised just based on the way that they've, they've gone about the last several deadlines. That, that they're going to be looking at like some of those top-flight guys that are out there. I think the Yankees are more motivated on Castillo. I think teams like the Twins have done more work on Montas, um, although the Cardinals, it sounds like, did, did talk a little bit to, to the A's last winter about it. But like, I think there's, there's some other spots that they could end up going um, to, you know, if Nathan Evaldi, like if he becomes available with, with Boston, like would be another guy that would be a fit and has – postseason pedigree and good stuff. And the price might be a little bit higher than it would be for Syndergaard. But, um, you know, his last two starts notwithstanding, one of those looked pretty bad because the center fielder lost the ball in the twilight um, that led to inside the top and slam. But, like, but like, there's, like, Evaldi's been a pretty good pitcher and a pretty good postseason pitcher, too. So I, I think those are probably more likely for uh, the Cardinals. But, again, like, they have to step outside a little bit of their comfort, mode, uh, comfort zone to be able to make the trade for Soto, which... Again, I'm all in favor for anybody who wants to make the trade for Soto to give up the cost because there is only one Juan Soto. There will only ever be one Juan Soto. Yeah, it turns out the guy that gets on base like 45% of the time is pretty good at the baseball thing. Uh, Mike, whoa, 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 whoa. Are you sure you want to go down that road? I, you know, I'm, I am going to walk out onto this path, and if you want to join me here, you are more than have, more than welcome to do so, sir. Let me tell you what, I did, so I did a White Sox podcast the other day, and they, they released this morning, and one person who was listening to the podcast responded and was like, I don't know, man, like, look at his numbers, he's clearly in decline. <laughs> like, I, I mean, if Aloy Jimenez stays healthy, and like, you know, like, he's, they've only got one outfield spot, like, it's not worth it. And I, I literally responded with the, the, 
Billy Madison, the like, like what you have said is the dumbest thing that I've ever heard. Like, I don't care what your pro- your prospects. Like, there are times to hold on to the prospects, right? Either there's that quality, or the player you're getting is not Juan Soto. But if you're going to get Juan Soto. There we go, buddy. Like, let's <laughs> I, Mike, I sometimes I dumb down the arguments, and I can just do this, and I can pull up his baseball reference to page, scroll down to the bottom where it says similar batters through age blank, and for Juan Soto, it's through <laughs> age twenty-two, and those similar batters for Juan Soto are Mike Trout. Frank Robinson, Bryce Harper, Miguel Cabrera, and Mickey Mantle. Yeah, I'll go ahead and take that guy. That's the one that I want to bet on. I'm surprised Ted Williams wasn't on the list because that's probably about right. Yeah, uh, Henry Aaron's on there. You, you've probably heard of him. King Griffey Jr. is also a part of this. So, yeah, there's, there's some Were pretty decent Were those guys any good? I wouldn't trade for 23-year-old Ken Griffey Jr. <laughs> Can you even imagine the mistake that a general manager would be making oh, in doing so? Oh, no, we'll have to give up our top prospect. Shoot. Mike, this has been great, man. It's always good to catch up with you. We wish you all the best. Enjoy the next five days or so as we get closer and closer to the trade deadline. And I hope that you guys and we have a Juan Soto trade to be talking about when when we get the uh, to Tuesday's official deadline. Well, get ready, because Duke's going to throw a lot more cold water over the idea of the Cardinals getting Soto than I did. So. Oh, well, uh, <laughs> we like your answers better. Mike, this is why you're the best. Appreciate you, man. <laughs> Take, Take it easy. That's Mike Farron joining us here on 101 ESPN. Listen, I, I think I've arrived here, Carrie. I've gone so back and forth on this Juan Soto thing. My, my initial reaction, and this is surprising because I'm typically the guy that gets distracted by the bright, shiny object, and Juan Soto is the brightest and the shiniest of all of the objects, as we just mentioned there. My initial reaction was, this doesn't make any sense. This is not the Cardinals type of a move. It's going to cost a ton. He's going to, he's not going to resign here. He doesn't bring any value defensively. He's not a very good base runner. Like this is silly. Why are we even talking about this? And then I spent like three or four days <laughs> listening to people talk like you do, or like Mike does and say, you bleep an idiot. This is You're trading for like young Ken Griffey Jr. And you get him for the next two seasons on top of this year. You do that if he becomes available because this guy shouldn't be available. And my answer was, yeah, you're right. Like You should probably do that. I mean, you don't know what you, you have an idea what those prospects can be, but you know what Juan Soto is. Yeah. So therefore, I mean, you, you maybe maybe you have something that is, is, is greater, but what, are, what is the likelihood? Do you have somebody that is greater than one of the five best hitters in the sport? The answer is probably no. Like the so, overwhelming odds are that the, you don't. And 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 you get him for the rest of this season and all of next season and the season after that. And, and here's and the other you, thing: and you and you you hope that he likes this place enough, he plays well enough, he likes the city, he likes the atmosphere, he likes the ball club, and you get to re-sign him. And, and if he'll things be twenty really five, carry, and he doesn't want to re-sign here, you here's still the other ha- thing. You've got the rest of this year. You've got all of next year. And Kerry, if they wanted to, they could trade him somewhere else going into and year three. And get something back. And you get maybe 60, 70% of the haul that you traded away for one bleeping soda. So I, I do think it makes a lot of sense, but I've arrived here. This is my like big takeaway for all of these Juan Soto sweepstakes. If they trade for him, I'm going to be thrilled. And I think it's going to be awesome to watch. If they don't trade for him, though... I'll probably understand why they didn't. Like, I'm not going to crush the Cardinals so long as they add significant other pieces. If they go out there and they're like, no, if they go out there and they add the pitchers that we just talked about with Mike Farron without making the deal 
for Juan Soto, then I'm going to be a little confused as to, okay, you just allowed this to to go and pass without getting involved in those sweepstakes. This, it will put a ton of pressure on the front office this off season to significantly upgrade the roster in a way that they haven't, as we just discussed in like seven years. So I, I think sitting out from these sweepstakes would put more pressure than ever on John Mosellock in this front office than if they were to either dive into that market or dive into the top of the starting pitching market. You got to do at least one or the other, when in my got, opinion. When you got an opportunity to win, you you take that chance. And you don't wait. I, I, I For years, I always hated when, when Strasburg got set down and they because they were saving. They didn't. But you fortunately, they were able to win. But you just don't know. You have no clue of what's going to happen. You 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 have an opportunity to win, win that championship, take, do whatever it takes because that opportunities, those opportunities are few and far between. I can tell you, there are more people that that will tell you that they never made that had an opportunity to play in the playoffs, win a championship, play in, play in a championship game or championship series. When you have that opportunity and it's right in front of you and you have an opportunity to get a person like that, when you mentioned the names that you mentioned, I heard Buster Olney say this morning, he said it's like having Hank Aaron, Hank, Hank Aaron when he was in his prime or, or, or Willie Mays when he was in his prime. Like, oh, hey, that's, he's pretty good, huh? I would like to have <laughs> those guys. <laughs> Please. With Kerry <laughs> Davis and Tanner Hendricks and I'm Brandon Kylie in 15 minutes. Speaking of those names you just mentioned, they might be involved in, you know, some similar conversations to Paul DeYoung. Probably not. But he might be involved in this Cardinals lineup uh, in the not-too-distant future. We'll tell you how he's working his way back towards the Cardinals' future coming up at 1230. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Believe it or not is coming up next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. is the air comfort service text line to get involved in the show. If you've got a scenario, we'll tell you if we're believing it or not here on BK and Ferrario with Kerry Davis. You got in there a little bit. I respected it. I respected it. He's won a Super Bowl. That's Tanner (laughs) Hendricks and I'm Brandon Kiley. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Coming up in 10 minutes, we'll talk about Paul DeYoung potentially working his way back to the big league club. Let's start off with this one from the 314. Guys, believe it or not, if the Cardinals trade for Juan Soto, it means that Adam Wainwright will not be back next year because of the contracts that Juan Soto currently has. That's an interesting question. I'm not sure if the two are definitely tied together, but Tanner, are you believing it or not that Soto means that Wayno's not back next year? I... I'm not going to believe it. I don't think the two are tied together. I think you could still bring back Wainwright and that would probably be your off-season move. But as we ran through the list earlier today, it's probably better not to be swimming in the free agent waters. So I'm not going to believe it. I don't think Soto and Wainwright are tied together. Now, Corbin and Wainwright might be tied together if Corbin comes in that deal. But I think if it's just Soto and you give up all the assets for it, I don't think you necessarily lose Wainwright. So I'm not going to believe it. Well, I'm gonna. I'm not going to believe it either. I don't think that that's the reason. I, I mean, you know, the age is up there. It depends on what he wants coming back. You spoke earlier about 
taking a, a hometown yeah, discount. If and, he does, and... I built the perfect rotation here on paper. <laughs> but if he can, if he if he can continue to play at this high level, and someone's going to pay him what he feels he's worth, uh, and, you know, it's hard to leave home. But you know, money talks, and and you know. You spoke about maybe going to Atlanta, and maybe that's a, a perfect way to end his career. You, you never know. So I don't necessarily believe that Soto being here is not is the reason that, that Wainwright is not. So I don't believe it. I'm not believing that Soto means that Wayno's gone. I'm curious what their starting pitching moves could mean for Wayno's future, though. I, I mean, Adam Wainwright is a really good starter. And for most teams, he would be a like most contending teams. He'd be in the front three of their rotation because he's been that good for the Cardinals both this year and over the last few years. I mean, look at what he did last night. That's a stopper right there. That's what you need him to be. But what is Adam Wainwright making this year? $17 million? Uh, 17.5? Yeah, 17.5. And I I thought that was high when he got it last year. (laughs) Here's something to keep in mind. If you were the Cardinals and take out all emotion... If I told you that you could have either Adam Wainwright or Carlos Rodon, who would you rather have in your rotation next year? You can have one of those two guys, Rodon versus Wayno. Let me look at Rodon's numbers real quick because my first instinct was actually Adam Wainwright. Uh, Rodon's been better this year. But I'm not going by what I'm saying by numbers wise. I mean, is like how many starts has he made in terms of. He's been pretty healthy this year. He's been healthy this year, but in recent Previously, past, not so had, much. Yeah, and that's why I would probably say Adam Wainwright. Like, I look, Rodon's stuff is great, but if he has health concerns behind him, Wainwright's been consistent for the last three years at the age of, four, what is it, 40, 39? Mm-hmm. Uh, so is, I would probably say Wainwright. Is Rodon kicking bets in the dugout or not? If not, then I'm going to go with him. If yes, I'm going to stay with Wayno. You tell me what he's going to do, and and I that, then you there you have my answer. Yeah, I think we got you can't That's have fair. you can't have you can't have him kicking bats into Juan Soto's knees, can you? That's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> you, on, man, if you're gonna got, have both of them on the you, roster, you can't have him doing that. So we got to get that squared away first. Uh, there, so to answer the question directly, like I'm I'm not believing it. I don't think that the two are tied together because Juan Soto, while he's making a significant sum of money. It's not as if you're bringing in a guy that's making like an ungodly amount. He's not going to make $40 million next year. It'll be like 20 to 25. 65780 is your comfort service text line for Believe It or Not. Guys, believe it or not, if the Cardinals did trade for Juan Soto, it would energize the team because you have a player like that that is added to the core right before the stretch run. Kerry, you've been in these locker rooms before. So I don't know if you were, when you were in the NFL, I don't know if they made a big time addition, but you know what that athlete mentality is. What? what would that be like if you were in that clubhouse and then suddenly Juan Soto was plopped into the middle of your order? I remember when we were in training camp one year. Uh, this is after Vic got uh, after he got out of prison for his stint and you know all of those things. And there was talks that he might come to Pittsburgh at that time. And the thought I played with Mike in in in, in Atlanta, um, but just the thought of Mike Vic coming to Pittsburgh was was it was just a buzz around the the, the training camp in Latrobe, and everyone was kind of. Oh, we might, might. He's not gonna. He's not coming to start. Ben is our starter, but just the fact that having someone of of that ability, of that 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 uh, talent, to be on your team is it, it, something that you get excited about. Um, Juan Soto is is. It, 
That's prime was, Mike Vick. Yeah, Vick was great, but it's prime, you know, that's yeah. Vick in like 2003. Like, yeah, and and greater. So yeah. you know, you you. I think when you have some, the buzz around the clubhouse is probably, man, you think he's coming? What, what's it gonna look like? What we gonna? It's gonna be amazing if he gets here. I, I think that does energize your team. You may have an opportunity where where everyone plays a little bit better because now your belief is we can actually win this thing. Right now, it's kind of. We got to do all of these things right every single game in order to win a game. But when you get that buzz and you get that talent and you get a guy like that in your in your clubhouse in your locker room, you you become, you know, more excited about your 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 opportunities. Yeah, I don't doubt that it would provide a bit of a morale boost in that clubhouse. Not saying the morale's real low, but yeah, I think it'd get a lot of those guys excited. And now, would that overcome maybe the pitching that's not very good? I don't know. We'll see. But I. I think it definitely would provide a spark. I think you'd see the Cardinals, like, they make that trade, and let's say it happens on August 1st. I think that month of August is going to be pretty good. Now, September, when things kind of start to kind of relax after all that big that adrenaline rush of, hey, we got Juan Soto, then we'll see. Because it, to me, then it comes down to the pitching. But, yeah, I definitely think it would. I think it – I mean, how could it not, right? If Forget the baseball side of things. Imagine any walk of life, whatever it is that you do for a living – Somebody that is deemed to be one of the five best to ever do it at your profession is joining you in that profession to be a a teammate, a colleague, whatever it is. And you guys are going to be paired together. It it depends on if you're playing that same position. Other than that, (laughs) (laughs) if if the greatest fullback to ever play the game was talking about, what are we talking about? What what do you want him for? That's unnecessary. How are we doing? That's that's a fair point. But if everyone else, though, yeah. (laughs) You guys are working towards a common goal together. Because there's somebody in that clubhouse that ain't too excited about hearing about one. Yeah, Corey Dickerson's like, come on, really? Really? I'm your left-handed outfielder. I can get this done. I've been playing better lately. There you go. Uh, all right. 65780 is your comfort service X line for Believe It or Not. Guys, believe it or not, the acquisition of Juan Soto, we've got a lot of Juan Soto questions today, would cement John Mosellock's legacy as a president of baseball operations that is remembered fondly in Cardinals history. That's really interesting. I do wonder, if you're a Cardinals fan, what would change in terms of your your impression, your feelings about John Mosellock if he made this move? Because it's kind of the one thing that is missing from his resume. Can is I, like a superstar talent acquisition at the deadline like this. I. So the way that one is phrased, I'm going to say I would believe it, but I the caveat I think there has to be in that is... They got to win? They got to win a World Series with Soto. Like, if they don't win the World Series with Soto... Now, maybe if the prospects flop, then maybe it's not an issue. But if one of those prospects, let's just say that win ends up going in the deal and he becomes the shortstop of the future for the nationals and he becomes an all-star and you don't win a world series with soto and he walks in free agency which i think would be what would happen then i think it's i don't think there would be a turn in how people view mo i think they'd be happy in the moment he got aggressive and then they look back on it and go well, i can't believe he traded away an all-star shortstop it's kind of like you look at the ozuna deal everybody was like whoa they went and got marcelo ozuna in the offseason and now you look back on this why the hell did he go get Marcelo Zuna? They gave up an ace in Sandy Alcantara. I think that's how it would be viewed. I, I, I would, I, I believe it. I think whether or not you win, which obviously that's the ultimate goal, but to get this generational type of talent in your on your team for your city to partake in, to to be a part of, to watch night in and night out. I think that is something that is a. a 
that's the thing you hang your cap on. I was able to get Juan Soto. He's the, one of the greatest players to play the game at, at this time, and we, we we expected to stay on that that trajectory. That trajectory. Um, so yeah, I, I I believe it. I think that this would cement who he is, what he's done as a as in, in with this Cardinals franchise, and and obviously, hopefully, you win a championship along the way. I think it makes us. This is kind of weird, but it's revisionist history. But I think it makes us look at the last like six off seasons a little differently suddenly because then you're talking about okay, he acquired Jason Hayward, he acquired Marcelo Zuna, he acquired Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado, and then as yeah. the capper, he added Juan Soto in season. That is a lot of star power. A lot. That John Mosellock in like a seven-year stretch was willing and able to acquire. And also, by the way, it speaks very highly to their ability to continue to replenish the system to both trade for those guys right. and then also still be in position to acquire the next one that right. becomes available. So I think that's something that would be looked at a little bit differently suddenly if he was able to make this move. And then to your point, Tanner, if they win, and I'm not even sure it necessarily takes a World Series victory, but... If they consistently win to the point of getting to like one or two NLCSs and maybe a World Series over the next three postseasons, that's well when it really it. changes yes. the way that people view John Mosellock. But I do think this would be a legacy trade for him. I, I don't know how it wouldn't be it, one way or the other. It could be a negative, honestly, but I, I would be pretty surprised if that ends up being the case. It's hard for me to imagine yeah. unless like. I don't even want to put it out there. Yeah, into the don't world. say it then. Oh, yeah. I Coming up it. next, Paul DeYoung is working his way back into the Cardinals' plans. We'll talk about what that means here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Finds that one in the air. Will it hang up? Into the corner. It goes! My goodness, a home run for Paul DeYoung! That one scraped the moon. Redbirds lead. 8-7. My goodness, is 17th of the year. Oh boy, Paul DeYoung is coming. Alongside Kerry Davis, Super Bowl champion, that's Tanner Hendrickson, and I'm Brandon Kiley. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Paul DeYoung's batting 350. With a slugging percentage above 750 in the month of July, he is really starting to heat up down in AAA. Now, full disclaimer, he's down in AAA. He's seeing AAA pitching. This is not what it is like to play in the big leagues on a day-to-day basis. All of that is an important caveat to what we are about to say. However, this is the best that he's looked since he was sent down to AAA. The power is starting to return to form. He's starting to hit for average as well. All of the things that the Cardinals wanted to see from Paul DeYoung, he's starting to show them down in the minor leagues. And with that as the backdrop, here is what Derek Gould wrote last night. Quote, when and how the Cardinals make a move involving DeYoung will be influenced by how the next several days go ahead of Tuesday's trade deadline. According to Derek Gould, Edmundo Sosa is out of minor league options and the Cardinals are, quote, listening to offers on him. At least one American League team has expressed interest in a deal with the Cardinals for Sosa, according to Derek Gould sources, end quote. I think Paul DeYoung's going to be back on the team by Tuesday of next week. Like, I'm planning to go down to the ballpark on Tuesday night for the Cardinals versus the Cubs. <laughs> by the way, we'll be giving away a four-pack of tickets to next week's Budweiser Bash for Cardinals versus Cubs coming up in the 1 o'clock hour. Selling point, Paul DeYoung. I, I think that Paul DeYoung will be there. 
And I think it will be because the Cardinals have traded Edmundo Sosa somewhere. I don't know that they'll get anything of significance in return. My guess is they won't. But they'll trade Edmundo Sosa and Paul DeYoung will be back with the big league club. And guys, given what their utility infielders are doing right now, given what some of their options are coming off of the bench, I think it is at least possible, maybe even likely, that Paul DeYoung has some moments for this team down the stretch. I think that he's a guy that can actually help them right now. So when he when he left he was batting one one thirty, and so now he's he's playing well as mm-hmm. you said in AAA versus AAA pitching and 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 you know I'll, what what does he bring to the team that 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 is lacking at this moment and what the, power off of the bench yep if he's back to his normal self correct do you Sosa has been playing pretty well okay up and down up and down. And and so Edmund coming back, it brings power off the bench. I don't necessarily know that he's going to be that much of a factor or that much of an impact. I don't know that I would be so excited about having him back in and 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 bringing. I need. <laughs> I want. I, I I've talked about it before. I want production. I want guys that can come in and help the club right now and do all those things. For me, bringing Edmund back in is not something that I'm I'm overly excited about. Overly looking forward to. I just want. If he's if he's able to hit the way that he's hitting now, but when he left, he was not he was not producing at a high level. So for me, it's not something that I'm just extremely excited about. Nor until, should you until be. I see what he's able to bring. Because when he left, there wasn't much there. I think he's going to have a similar role to what you're seeing from Edmundo Sosa right now, where he's getting. Can he pinch run as well? No, he's not going to bring that to the roster. But they're not really doing that a whole lot with Edmundo Sosa either. Let's be honest. He's getting a start or two a week. He's giving guys a day off of their feet. He'll probably play some shortstop for you, especially right now. Like one thing that I would be curious about, Gorman hit the home run last night. That was huge for him. He needed that because he's really been struggling lately. If they don't trade Edmundo Sosa, I don't think it's totally out of the realm of possibilities. If Gorman starts to slump once again, that Gorman is the one that's sent down Mm -hmm. for uh, Paul DeYoung. I know nobody wants to hear that, but if you look at Nolan Gorman's numbers over the last couple of weeks, they're pretty similar to what Paul DeYoung's numbers were prior to him getting sent down to AAA. And that doesn't mean that Gorman never ends up factoring back into the roster. He could. Maybe it's early September that he comes back up and he becomes a a, a boost for you down the stretch as well. But I think Paul DeYoung's just a guy for me that could stabilize things on your bench. That would be my expectation for Paul DeYoung. And if you need him to, you are able to settle things down defensively as well. You put Edmund at second, you put DeYoung at short, and all of the questions that we have about DeYoung, which are reasonable and fair, he is a good defensive shortstop. We can argue about how good. He's pretty good there. Which, so, is, which is why my question is, if he's if he's back and he's hitting, is he starting? Probably. So so he's not off the He's going to be your starting. It, I think it depends on Gorman. Like if okay. Gorman, if last night was a, a jumping off point for mm-hmm. him and he starts hitting for power again and starts hitting to all fields, then no. I, th- I think that at that point, Gorman is from the left side, which you're assuming eventually Paul DeYoung can be for See, the yeah. right side. So I think I think DeYoung would start against left-handed pitching. Okay. I do not think he would be starting every day, though. Okay. See, that's fair. I was going to say, if he's not getting like, at least continuous starts, not not necessarily like six and seven days, but like you know four and six games or something like that. Three and six games. Like I don't know if they call him up because I think Paul DeYoung, you want to call him up and have him continuous continuously getting those. I think this reps. is his new role, though. 
I don't think he's a starting shortstop anymore. I mean, and I, don't I don't think, think he's the a Cardinals start- him that way. I don't either. think he's a bench bat anymore. Like I, I'm just out on Paul DeYoung completely. Like I get he's been playing well in Triple A, but <laughs> but I but I think it's interesting to bring him up because I think this is the last ditch effort to see if you can get trade value for Paul DeYoung, and it's not for the, this deadline. It's for the off season, and then see if you can get rid of the contract in terms of Paul DeYoung. Like I I can't see him factoring into the plans for 2023. Like I just don't see it. I think he could be someone that can get hot, and maybe go on that power bench bat role, or be that kind of that guy that comes in and starts against left-handed pitching this year down the stretch. But I, I can't view him as someone that's in the picture for 2023. And another another opportunity too, maybe they're thinking about is if it is they just trade Sosa, get their bag of balls from let's just say L.A. or something like that. What they could do is they may end up looking at if Gorman gets hot again, they may look at benching Tommy Emmon because Tommy Emmon has been struggling as well. Like I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities that Tommy Emmon ends up going to the bench for a stretch of time because he's been struggling at the plate. And I get it, he's good defensively, but you got that log jam in the middle infield. So whoever struggles, whether it be Gorman who can go down, if you, if you keep Sosa, you can bring up DeYoung and move Edmund back to second. Or if Gorman gets hot and Edmund continues to struggle, it wouldn't shock me if Paul DeYoung slides into that short spot and they give him a run. I I ultimately think this is to try and build up trade value for the offseason. The other thing, though, is like a texter mentioned that mentioned this as well. Guys, Gorman could be on his way to Washington and be part of the trade, and that could factor into this too. Hmm. Absolutely. If Gorman ends up going to the Washington Nationals for you know that one Soto guy, then yeah, you're going to need somebody else to come up that can factor in that hits for a little bit of power. Right. And I mean, can DeYoung do, let me look up what Nolan Gorman's numbers are right now, just so we've got them in front of us, because he has not been performing the way that he did early on when he was called up to the big leagues. He's currently hitting 230 with a 730 OPS. Do I think that Paul DeYoung can do that? Yes. I do. I, I think that Paul DeYoung can do exactly that for you at the big leagues. But he hasn't done it in two years. He was 197 uh, last uh, year. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think Paul DeYoung can do that. Like that was his ceiling. For a month? Yeah, well, that was his ceiling coming into the year. Was we thought oh. he could do that and he couldn't do it. I mean, this isn't like great numbers. No, I know it's not, not great numbers. numbers. <laughs> like I, I don't think he's point fixed. taken. I get it. That's I think fair. he's a four. I think he's a four A player. What about I think this? that's Paul DeYoung. Over the last two months, so since the start of June, Nolan Gorman is batting 200. With a 640 OPS. Paul do that. Now we're all on the same page. Coming up in 15 minutes, we're going to talk to Jim Duquette. He's a former MLB general manager. According to our first guest, Mike Farron, uh, Jim's going to pour some water on the idea of trading for Juan Soto. So we'll get his thoughts on that, why he's going to hoard the prospects instead, coming up at 1 o'clock. But coming up next, let's dive into the junk drawer with a quote from my football coach. That I want to hear Carrie's thoughts on. We'll do that next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's open it up. The junk drawer with BK and Ferrario. Brought to you by Together Credit Union. Pay yourself with every purchase. Open and achieve a checking account today. Tanner Hendricks and I'm Brandon Kylie. Carrie has been around quite a few coaches in his time. I've been through one. I was a high school football player, wasn't particularly good at it, and then, you know, decided to go the journalism route as, as a, a different option. But Eli Drinkwitz is my coach. That's okay. my college football coach. I like Drink. He's great. <laughs> now, Eli Drinkwitz is known to make some headlines. 
He went to the SEC media days and said, you know what, this year, I'm not going to make any headlines. I made a bunch last year. I wrote some checks that my team couldn't cash, and I'm not going to try to do that again this year. And then the media day stopped. He went on Jim Rome show yesterday, and he was asked about the Tennessee allegations oh. that have come up over the last <laughs> uh, yeah. week or so. Here was Eli Drinkwitz's rest- response on the Jim Rome show. But with the latest allegations against Tennessee, let's hold up on what my record is because I expect them to vacate some wins, and that's going to help my record a little bit. Okay? Oh, man, this, so, is, this is getting be better. Can I, since you brought it up, can I get your reaction to the latest allegations against Tennessee? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, uh, me personally, I got to question my wife's commitment to winning. You know, I mean, I don't know how much she's committed if she's not engaging in some of these things. I didn't know that was fair play. So if you aren't familiar with what went on at Tennessee, they were basically dropping bags everywhere. Players, they they want their money, and the Tennessee uh, volunteers are like, all right, here it is. So much so that their head coach, his wife, was giving players money. She was arranging for some of these payments, whether it be for a mortgage for their family or just giving them some cash, whatever it ended up being, she was even involved. I love Eli Drinkwitz so much. Listen, man, this is a tale as old as time in college football. Coaches are always accusing each other of cheating because, of course, that's the only way that Tennessee would be better than Mizzou is if they're cheating, right? I love this. I, I wish more coaches did stuff like this. It, it's, it's, well, the thing that, that that's interesting, I mean, the NIL deal, there is a way for these players to get money without Ooh, being in – I think it said McDonald's grocery bags, Yeah. McDonald's bags. I think there are ways to go about it where you don't have to pay kids cash. But I mean, it's kind of like a drug deal almost, isn't it? <laughs> what place do you give bags of money to someone in, in turn in service for it for something? You don't else? get that? That's unpaid here. Is that how you get that? <laughs> yeah. Sign me up. Hey. <laughs> I'm kidding. If anybody legally is listening to me right now, that was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I, I think Drink obviously has a, has a great sense of humor and, and kind of poking fun at, at Tennessee's misfortune, and that's what you do when you're rivals. You make fun of your rivals, and when they have unfortunate incidents, you, you take advantage and, you know, you, you let them know that we don't do this here. It's what they did. We, we play by the rules. We do the things the right yeah, way. Yeah, Mizzou, we don't cheat. Not yeah. at all. It's never I, happened before. It thing. will never happen yeah. again. We've yeah, definitely sure. never had any sanctions. Here's the thing. They I say if you ain't cheating, cheated. you ain't trying. So, I you know, I don't know who says that. But they say it. I've heard it. So, you know. I, I know Bill ain't cheating because we got a bunch of three well, stars coming in. Oh, yeah. Good, clean fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> coming up in 15 minutes. Which NFL quarterbacks and coaches are under the most pressure to succeed heading into 2022? We'll get into that coming up at 115. But coming up next, Jim Duquette's a former MLB general manager. Now he's on MLB Network Radio. According to his co-host, he's not too fond of the idea of trading for Juan Soto. Why is that? We'll ask him next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Earlier today, we had a great 
great time when we were joined by Mike Farron, host on MLB Network Radio. And now we are joined by his co-host and former MLB general manager, Jim Duquette. He's joining us via the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Jim, Mike told us earlier today he thinks there's nothing else the Cardinals should do other than trading for Juan Soto. And he said you're going to throw a bucket of water on that possibility. So we appreciate the time as always. How you doing today and what do you think about the Juan Soto sweepstakes? Uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, n- nobody has fun when Mike Fern comes on, so uh, that's the only. No, uh, I've only only been working with him for ten years, so it's been a ten-year sentence for me. Uh, so, I will say this: uh, I will say, listen, I, um, everyone should be out there trading for Soto, and, and it's not a mistake that the Cardinals' name keeps getting mentioned. Like they, most of the time, you're at this, you know, and Mike Rizzo is the GM of the Nationals. He hasn't been traveling. They just on a road trip. He he wasn't traveling with the team. The reason it being, he's trying to sort out trades for him and for Josh Bell and maybe Nelson Cruz. Um, and the Cardinals name keeps getting mentioned. And so, you know, I think at this point, if your name's not getting mentioned, then you're probably not in the sweepstakes for Soto. So I think that the first thing is, I think it's, for, um, it's, uh, you know, positive news that the Cardinals haven't been eliminated. They're one or, and, or they're willing to put at least, uh, a significant package together for him. Uh, but these are complicated deals. So I think, you know, having an all-in approach on one Soto, nobody else, I think it's a mistake. And I think that, you know, you saw the Yankees kind of go down that route. They were in on on, um, on Soto as well. And they trade from uh, Benintendi out of the gate you know, and probably not going to go after him now because of the the price tag. Do I think the Cardinals will pay the price? And I, I, it's hard. It's hard to do it. You know, and I think he's the best player in the sport. I don't think – as a former GM, you wouldn't lose the trade, but it just hasn't been what the Cardinals have done in the past either. You know, trade up that many prospects or controllable talent for one individual. Just our sport doesn't, as as you guys know, our sport, it's hard when you have the best player in the sport to, to win. You know, look at the Angels, what has happened there with those two top guys there. Like, it's just, we're not, we're not, um, we're not built this way as a sport where you can control the, you know, the, the narrative where the best player comes up all the time in key situations. But, uh, you know, having said all that, you guys see it. I see it. The Cardinals' biggest need is pitching right now. Hey, Jim, put your uh, your GM hat on for a second and, and tell me realistically, what does a package look like from the Cardinals to the Nationals for Juan Soto? Well, specifically with the Cardinals, I mean, if you took a, you know, a – one player off the major league club, like a like a Dylan Carlson, then it keeps it keeps them away from at least at least realistically you're not including Jordan Walker in the deal as well. Like it's one or the other, right? Mm. And you might say, well, uh, you know what? I don't want to take off the major league club, and that's fine. But Jordan Walker then has to be in it, you know. And you know, it's a heavy price tag. I think Walker is going to be an excellent major leaguer. I think he has a chance to be. You know, I just saw him at the Futures game. I think he has a chance to be Austin and Austin Riley type. But you know, it's still another year or two away before you start before you see that type of talent come in come to play at the major league level. Um, and so, yeah, you know, what's your willingness to give up that type of potential? Um, you know, in addition to three or four other guys, Mason Wynn probably has to be in the equation. You know, so it starts to get expensive pretty quickly. Um, you know, and if I'm looking at it from the Cardinals side of things, I mean, they, you know, they, they're typically not a 200, 
$220 million payroll type of team. They have to have a, you know, balance with their, with their roster. Uh, they've got pretty expensive uh, players right now and good ones uh, with, with uh, Goldschmidt and Arenado. And so for me, I just don't see them going down that road, you know, and, and I just see them more than likely going uh, holding on to those guys, and I think that you know Walker would be a heck of a, a player for them, no matter what position. Maybe he, maybe he replaces Goldschmidt, and we has to flip over to first base at some point. Who knows? But it's but it's something that um, you know for me, in you know you always have to look at DNA and look at track records. And Cardinals, you while they've done some big trades, it's mostly because in the marketplace their their value has been knocked down a little bit. In Goldschmidt's case, he's going to be a free agent after a year, right? They did a great job of signing him. And Arenado, you know, it was a late developing uh, a trade where he was available and um, they were having a hard time getting teams to pick up the salary. And so they, I mean, that was a really good deal for the Cardinals. They haven't gone out and paid a premium for some of those premium players, uh, you know, really. And, and, and again, not a lot of teams do. And not a lot of guys like this become available too, right? Like it, it, it's one okay. thing to go out there and acquire some of the top end players, but when they're 23 years old with two years left of control after this year, I, I'm typically Jim in the exact same lane as you, where I'm like, this is not a Cardinals move. This is not something that I expect them to right. do. The control makes it a little different. The age makes it a little different. And then the fact that Goldie, his contract comes up at the same time as Soto makes me wonder if they believe there could be an opportunity there at the end of this deal. I I would be surprised if they re-signed him, honestly, but maybe to re-sign him. If you don't think they're going down that lane, Jim, and you mentioned it, and we're talking to Jim Duquette, former MLB general manager here on BK and Ferrario, their big issue right now is obviously starting pitching. We agree with that as well. What would you be looking at to acquire at the deadline? Are you looking at some of these guys that have uh, term still on their deal, or are you looking for a rental at the deadline? Well, I, I would um, preferably, you know, one of these pitchers that has a little extra control, right? Not just this year, but next year. Um, you know, and that's why I think both Castillo and Montas are are interesting. And I think they're. I've heard St. Louis's name mentioned on Montas more than Castillo at the moment, and I like that Montas. You know, there's a I think you have to get over the, 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 the injury issue that he's had more recently. Looks like it's behind him. But, you know, there is a little bit of a, of a concern there because it happened, you know, fairly recently. Um, so, you know, that's one for, for sure. Yeah, listen, it's not a sexy name. Martin Perez's name is not a sexy name. But, you know, in their situation, I think it's, be- it's certainly better than, you know, <laughs> I know that uh, Mo and Michael Gersh got – criticized last year for trading for the, you know, the two left-handed starters at the back end. But Perez, in my opinion, is better than both of them. And, and you know, you guys have certainly seen him before. I mean, this guy would be a, a quality guy to, to, um, to acquire. What the cost is going to be high, but it's not going to be nearly as high as uh, what uh, Castillo or Montas would get. Ovaldi is an interesting name, a developing name that I'm not so sure he's available yet. Or even a Carlos Rodon with San Francisco, but I think that you know the way those two teams are trending, I think it's reasonable to think one of them could be available. So, I, to me, those are the names that I would be pursuing hard. Hey Jim, if the Cardinals are unable to get the Sotos or Montas or, or Rondon, Rodon, what are, what are, what does the season look like going forward? And are they able to make it into the playoffs and win this division? 
Well, I think that they're capable of winning the division still. I, I, I mean, I think that, you know, we've seen Milwaukee. They've been a flawed team just as much as you might sit there and say the Cardinals have been flawed. I mean, I, I look at, you know, what has happened with uh, Milwaukee. I have serious concerns with their their offense in particular. Um, Hater has been uh, really, I would almost say, bad uh, until the last couple of outings. Uh, unsurprisingly bad. So, like, I, I think that you know, I, originally, if you asked me this two months ago, Milwaukee was one of the elite teams, and I thought the Cardinals were going to have a hard time catching them. And as we've seen the season go on, I think they're they're similar uh, in terms of their uh, in terms of their quality. I think that you know they each have some holes or weaknesses, but I think that Cardinals have as good a chance to win a division, and they certainly certainly have a chance to get into the the postseason. My concern would be if they don't get one of those uh, top starters um, in particular. Um, so, so take Soto out of it. He, he, I think because of the need for starting pitching, like you guys have seen this plenty too. You can't go anywhere in the postseason without good starting pitching. You got to have good pitching, good uh, bullpen, and good defense. Cardinals have have excellent defense. I like their pen, but their rotation is really short. You know, and so. If they don't, if they don't address that, then they're going to have a really difficult time uh, getting deep into the postseason. Let's go down a hypothetical, Jim. This is our favorite thing to do. This is sports radio here in St. Louis these days. Oh, yeah. If I said that the Cardinals traded for Frankie Montes and they gave a bag of balls to take on the full salary of Noah Syndergaard the rest of the year, how do you think that team compares to the rest of this National League? Well, I, I think that that. It, within the division, first off, I think that would, for me, make them uh, a favorite over Milwaukee. But saying that Milwaukee doesn't do, you know, doesn't do much. Now they're going to they're going to find an offensive piece, but I, it puts them um, above Milwaukee for me to win the Central. Um, I, I think Syndergaard, for, you know, is a guy that, you know, if you look at what he's done, he's had. You know, it's kind of an up and down season, but that's not uh, atypical for a guy who's had, you know, a couple of years off because of the Tommy John surgery. And I think they've been protective with him over, you know, with the six man rotation there. So I, I think that the best of for Syndergaard is yet to come if he's a part of a winning team. I know him a little bit watching him from the Mets. When he's on a winning club, he pitches differently. When he's on a team that's, um, you know, that, that the current one, like he is a part of now, um, he doesn't quite have the same energy fire, whatever you want to call it. So I would love to get Syndergaard um, in, in that type of scenario. And I think that would make them – now, here's the, here's the last question. Uh, do they stack up with the Dodgers? Not many do. Uh, would they stack up with the Mets and Braves? Not many do. But in the postseason, I would take my chances with that group. You know, it's so hard to predict um, because a lot of times it's the hottest team. So it would it would stack them up there with – um, with, I would say, certainly with the top teams in the National League if they got two starters like that. Jim, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you, man. Thank you so much for hopping on with us today. I One quick follow-up, and you don't need to go long here, but just out of curiosity, do you think that the Angels are going to give any consideration to moving Shohei Otani either at the deadline or in this offseason? I don't. I'll tell you why. Um, I think they're going to try to sign him, number one. And number two, as soon as you move him, you have an unhappy Mike Trout. You might as well trade him too. I, I just I think all of the rumors around Otani are 
are highly exaggerated, I don't think they'll move them. Okay. That, that's kind of where we're at as well, but I wanted to make sure we get your thoughts on that. Jim, appreciate the yeah. time, man. Enjoy all of the next five days it. and everything that's going on. We'll talk with you again soon. All right, you got it. You Absolutely. Got it. That's Jim Duquette joining us here on 101 ESPN. I, I think he makes some interesting points. So, first of all, I, I'm starting to buy in. I know Alex Ferrario. He'll be back in with us, by the way, next weekend. His, his guy all along has been Noah Syndergaard. I think I'm sold. I think I'm sold on that being a, a good option for the Cardinals, not because I think he's a guy that completely changes what the complexion is of this team, but, man, you look at him since June 6th, so basically since June 1st, he has made seven starts for the Angels, and in that stretch, he has a 3.6 ERA. Opposing hitters are batting around 230 against him. He's gone six, five, seven, seven, five, four, six innings. And he's given up no more than three runs in five of those six starts. Or, excuse me, six of the seven starts. I I think that's a guy that helps you. So I'm in on Noah Syndergaard as your number five starter. And that's all he really is at this point in time. But that's fine. And then I think you need to find one other starter. If you get Juan Soto, doesn't have to be a great starter. It can just be a <laughs> middling guy. If you don't get Juan Soto, that's where I think you talk about the Frankie Montes or the Pablo Lopez's of the world. But so either I, way, I think Syndergaard makes sense for this team. I was going to say, I, I think that's right. I, I think Syndergaard makes sense for this team, but I think he can't be the headliner. Like, Agreed. Even if, unless, if it's Soto, then yeah, he's the fine headliner for the pitching staff. But if Soto's out of the equation, he can't be the headliner. It has to be the Pablo Lopez, the Frankie Montas, or honestly even Tariq Skubal, who's available apparently out of Detroit. So he, he can't be the headliner. But yeah, I think he's a perfect piece that you bring in. He can kind of come in and be that... Number four for you right now while you're dealing with injuries, probably your number four when you get to the playoffs or worst case scenario of say, I mean, I don't think this would happen, but say Matt or Flaherty comes back and they blow you away and you want to start them in the postseason, you've got Syndergaard to come out of the bullpen as well. So I, I, I think he's a good addition. That's what I was going to ask. That was my next question. How far away are Flaherty and, and Matt from, from returning and what do you expect from Dakota Hudson in, in, in his return or when he's so you know, when he's on the mound? Dakota, I think we know what he is at this point. He's With, fine. He's number four, five starter. <laughs> okay. He, I'm not going to enjoy watching him, but he's going to find a way to get through five or six innings. He's going to walk more than what you want. He's going to get quick ground outs, and it's not going to be pretty, but more often than not, he's going to get out of it mostly unscathed, give you an opportunity to win. He's a fine number five starter. I don't know on Matt's man. He's got a torn MCL. I mean, you've you've seen these before. It They're saying that it could be something that rest and rehab is okay in the next six weeks or so, or he might need surgery and he's done for the year. And they a, should know by next Tuesday. So. I was a tough guy. I, I came back, I think, after a week of a of a sprained MCL. Did sprained you? Sprained MCL. It wasn't torn, but it was pretty. It's pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's had sprained, torn with the MCL. It's essentially the same thing. I missed one game, but I'm a tough guy. Not saying that Matt's isn't. I'm just telling you about my story. <laughs> so there you go. The man who has been in that situation before. Yeah. Um, that that's where they're at with Matt's and Flaherty. I just I'm not counting on him. He might be back. He might not. I'm, it's just, it's I'm assuming just, he's not going to be It's back. all the potential in the world, but again, that's a dangerous word 100%. in sports. So there is a report on what the Cardinals offer reportedly is for Juan Soto. This comes from Hector Gomez. He is an MLB insider. I, we were getting story. I believe from the Dominican. I'm, I'm yeah, not sure. he's from the Dominican. Okay. He works for the Cubs, too. Take it for a grain of salt. We'll tell you what that is on the other side here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
enough disclaimers on what I am about to say. <laughs> this is not verified. This is not me reporting anything. I'm not even sure if Hector Gomez is reporting it. It might be pure speculation. So keep that in mind. I'm not saying this is now, what the Cardinals have offered. You know someone's going to get in their car as soon as you just I got know. done saying that and hear exactly what you're about I to say. I feel like there should be like, I know on the radio you can't do this, but on TV if I was talking right now, there would be a, a, a bar underneath that says none of this is verified. Please understand that this is speculation. Uh, we can't do that. So just keep that in the back of your mind. According to Hector Gomez, he's got all these different trade possibilities of what it would take to land uh, Juan Soto. Here's what he, he what he says the Cardinals would send in a potential Juan Soto trade. Again, this might be speculation, might be reporting. He doesn't really clarify, and it's all in Spanish, so I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it even better. According to him, the Cardinals would send Dylan Carlson, Nolan Gorman, Mason Wynn, Gordon Graceffo, and Alec Burleson. Now, that's a lot. There's also no Jordan Walker in the deal. And to me, that is probably what a deal's going to have to look like for the Cardinals to get this thing done. Alec Burleson, I'm not sure, has a future here in St. Louis. Dylan Carlson is being replaced internally by Juan Soto, so it's a one-for-one there. Nolan Gorman, I love what the future could be. As a left-handed power bat at second base, I love it. But the fit is at least a little bit clunky. You hope that Jordan Walker can give you some of the pop and future potential that Nolan Gorman currently has. So you you could replace that as soon as next year in terms of the projection for Gorman. Graceffo, you've got a bunch of pitchers that are coming through the ranks right now. You'd love to keep him, but if you got to get rid of him for Juan Soto, so be it. And then there's Mason Wynn, and that one hurts. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. It's not going to be easy to give up on a potential franchise shortstop, the first one that the Cardinals have really developed internally in, like, 20 years. I mean, it's been a minute since they've had a guy like that that has this kind of potential. So it's a lot. But you're going to have to give up a lot to get Juan Soto, and you're going to have to give up potentially even more to not include Jordan Walker in the deal. So if we use this as a jumping-off point for conversation, more so even than any sort of reporting, what is your initial reaction when you hear that cost? Carlson, Gorman, from your current major league roster, Win, Burleson, and Graceffo. So you got one pitcher, four position players in that deal. Well, Duquette, that he was just on, he said we're going to have to at least give up one current big leaguer. And that's Carlson. And, and that would be Carlson. And in and, and this report, they're saying there's two. Um, you know, I think... If if what you're getting in return, and, and we're talking about, we've been talking about it all day, a generational type of talent. Uh, uh, when you mentioned the names that he his comparables are, there were a lot of Hall of Famers in those in those names. I don't know that if when you look at the comparisons of of, of Gorman or, or or Carlson, if those if there are Hall of Famers on that list. So I can give it to you. I'll look that up for you. Yeah, let me know who those are because it, when you're getting, you're gonna have to give up a lot to get what to get a lot, and and. We all know what, what Juan Soto is, what he's able to do, who he is, how, how much talent he has, and, and he's still, you still potentially, you spoke to it earlier, you have him for three seasons, three postseasons potentially, or two, and then you trade him at the third year, in the third year on the postseason before the, uh, before the trade deadline and get something back in return if he's not willing to sign a long-term deal. 
Yeah, I I look at this trade and I, I find myself split on whether or not I would if, – if this is the proposal, again, we don't know if this is a report, it's just speculation what it is. If this is the proposal, I find myself – It feels pretty similar to what the asking price would be. Though. Yeah, I, th- I think this is pretty accurate of what it might cost. I I find myself kind of split on whether or not I would do this. Like the only reason I say that is because – so the Carlson Soto one makes sense for me because you're throwing him in the outfield. You can replace an outfielder. You, know, you can kind of see the math there. The one that I'm not 100% convinced on is the Gorman aspect of it. I, I'm willing to see the wind parting, not because I don't, because I'm just not as sold on the ceiling as Mason Wynn, as the Cardinals are saying. Gorsefo, that one kind of that one kind of hurts because of the way they're selling him. But as you mentioned earlier, we've had a million pitchers that have been great in the system. And then Alec Burleson, I just don't know if they view him here long term. The reason I'm held up on the Gorman scenario is because I view him as they envision him as somewhat a part of the core in terms of whether or not they trade him and like three years thinking three years down the line who is going to be a part of that core jordan walker because he's i mean he's not a part of this scenario mm-hmm. arnado's got another year left on his deal he's here still and then nolan gorman the other who who else is a part of that core like i i feel like the core gets blown apart in three years and there's no real solution now granted they can develop someone that can come in and do that but like i have a hard time seeing the Carlson and Gorman, one of those two. I, I can see one of them being dealt. I have trouble seeing both being dealt, and that's why I'm a little then you're hesitant. you're not getting him. I, well, hey, I've said all along that I'm not yeah. willing to blow up the team to go get Juan Soto. So uh, you're not you're not breaking my heart by that. But I don't know. I just don't know how the Cardinals view Nolan Gorman. Like, I know Carlson. Like, I said this to you in the office earlier. Like, I think Carlson's always, and I think I said this yesterday, Carlson's always going to be a good player, but he's never going to be like a – sexy, has the big numbers, be the all-star probably caliber player. He's always going to be a good player that you look at and you watch him every day. It stands out to you, but from a far view, it doesn't really stand out. I don't know how the Cardinals view Nolan Gorman still because they sold him as being an all-star caliber second baseman with this unbelievable power. Sure, he's only going to hit 250, but he's going to slug the hell out of the baseball. What if he becomes Dan Ugla? I think we have brought that up before. I mean, I think that's fine, but I mean, saying that, like, when I go, do I want Dan Ugler or do I want Juan Soto? I say Juan Soto. And that's why I'm bringing it up. Like, But if I, I, th- I think they view him as having a higher ceiling than Dan Ugla. I don't know. I mean, Dan Ugla was, like, a really powerful second baseman. He was a guy that hit 30 home runs per year, basically every year, uh, for the first six years of his major league career. And if I told you that that's what he is, that makes sense to me. He's about a 240 to 250 hitter. Again, that kind of makes sense to me for... Um, what we've seen thus far, at least from Nolan Gorman, and he plays okay, passable defense at second base. And that that feels about rights to me. And if that's what Nolan Gorman is projected by them to be, let's just go down that assumption. I'm trading that in this package. Like I'm I'm trading a power hitting second baseman and a really solid right fielder as the headliners in a package for. As earlier we talked with. Um, Jim Duquette, he called him the best player in baseball. Uh, with Mike Farron, he said he's compared to future Hall of Famers. Dylan Carlson, I got this up for you, Kerry. Here are his comparable hitters through age 22. The top one is Victor Robles. You've got uh-huh. Steve Kemp, Chili Davis, Travis Snyder, and this is a good one. Dave Winfield is on this list. That's a good one. So there are some pretty good players on that list, but I think that tells you the mixed bag of like, it, it, we don't really know what Dylan Carlson is going to be long term. How, how old is Dylan Carlson? Dylan Carlson is what twenty three? I think, I think that's right. That. So so twenty three. Soto's, Soto's twenty three. They're the same age. Mm-hmm. Okay, 
<laughs> now, to be fair, Dylan Carlson has, I think, four years left of club control, whereas with Soto, you've only got two. So you're giving up two years of club control there. And Carlson is likely to resign, I would think, whereas Soto, you're almost assuredly not going to resign him. So that's part of the calculus as well. Maybe, but you also get one of the greatest players to play, in, 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 in other people's opinion, for two years, two and a half years. Yeah. Versus... A guy, and I and I, I hate. I'm not going to disparage anybody because you're a professional athlete. But there are levels. Like I was not Jerome Bettis. I was not uh, uh, Willie Parker. Even you know there are levels to to. I wasn't Emmitt Smith, and I damn sure wasn't Frank Gore. <laughs> so you <laughs> good recall. So, so you know there are levels to your ability and and how how you know your ceiling and how great you can be. Nothing against any of those guys. If 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 Juan Soto is here, if it's for two years, if it's for two and a half years, if it's if somehow you woo him to potentially resign, it, I'm all for that versus versus not knowing what I have or or not having that guy in my roster day in and day out. Somebody else, by the way, on the text line said, hey, guys, I've got a legitimate concern regarding this Juan, Trota, Juan Soto trade, assuming that they were to include Dylan Carlson. Who ends up playing in center field? The Cardinals clearly like Tyler O'Neill and left. Who would play center for the rest of 2022 if Bader ta- Bader's timetable doesn't look good? That's a Probably. question that I've had. I think it's Lars Newtbar for it's the foreseeable future. Newt or, or I mean, I think we saw him out there at one point this year, and they've said that he was the backup at one point last year. Hell, they could put Edmund out in center, and you could put DeYoung at short. I think they would be more likely to trade for like a, a Michael A. Taylor than yeah. to do that. It's like Michael A. Taylor is not going to cost you much. Um, what they what the Cardinals could do is basically remake the team at the trade deadline. So you end up getting a Noah Syndergaard. You don't have to trade much for him. He's a guy that just comes in and gives you innings for the rest of this season. You trade for a guy like a Michael A. Taylor who is fine. He's playing really good gold glove caliber defense in center field. He's not much of a hitter, but he's going to help you defensively out there. And you hope that Juan Soto makes up for the lack of offense that you're getting in center field. And you've already got Yadier Molina coming back to the to play behind the dish. And that's kind of the way you, you ride with that. You see what that ends up getting you. And then in the offseason, now you're building around Juan Soto and maybe Tyler O'Neill, or they trade him in the offseason. We'll see what happens there. But you've got Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt, and let's ride. And let's see what this team is able to do. I told you my philosophy on the trade, the trade deadline being August 2nd. The Cardinals have, is that correct, August 2nd? Mm-hmm. The yep. Cardinals have a series in Washington. They're just going to get those guys off the plane, bring Juan Soto back, and we're going to save money on the flights. Have you yeah. seen flights le- lately? I mean, oh, if you yeah. put someone in the first class, how much is that? Is it $2,000, $2,500? I, I couldn't flights tell for, you. for Can't a coach are like $800 round trip one way. I, you're going to save They've got money. a private jet. They're good. they got a charter flight. you got to pay for that, too. You just get them on the team that's plan and come on back. That's essentially what the Yankees did. They're hosting the Royals today. There you go. So the Royals are just bringing Ben and Tenny with them. Yeah. yeah, come on. Makes sense to me. I'm all in. It sounds great to me. I think my big th- my big thing is this. If it's going to cost you, and it'll be different, but similar assets, like if you're going to have to give up at least one of a Gorman or a win or somebody like that in a trade for one of these top-end starters, I would rather just extend a little further and go get one of the best players in the sport. I know Juan Soto is going to be healthy, more likely than not, because position players typically don't break the way that pitchers do. I know that he's going to be one of the highest producing players in baseball because he always has been, and he's 23 years old, and he's just now entering his prime, not at the back end of his prime. He is more of a sure thing 
than any of the pitchers that we're talking about. It should not surprise anybody if next year Frankie Montes either gets hurt or isn't very good. It shouldn't surprise anybody if next year Pablo Lopez either isn't particularly effective or gets hurt. Same thing is true for any of these guys that they could trade that has control under them for the next few years. Meanwhile, I'd be shocked, absolutely shocked, if Juan Soto isn't awesome over the next two years Mose, that the Cardinals have him. Mo's built his MV3, because I saw, I saw a text yeah. saying, mentioned something about Better. Walt would have brought this up. I mean, yeah. I mean, three legitimate MVP caliber guys, and Arnato, who I don't think's won one, but is in the top ten. Goldschmidt's going to win one this year, I think. And Juan Soto is a guy that you could easily see winning one in the next two to three years. I mean, he did the different route of building the MV3. Didn't have a homegrown talent, but hell, I mean, that's still a pretty good MV3 to put in the middle of your lineup. Coming up in 10 minutes, we'll hit the BK and Ferrario Rewind. But next, which quarterbacks and coaches are under the most pressure to succeed heading into 2022? Talk about this here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Which NFL quarterbacks or coaches are under the most pressure heading into 2022? Alongside Kerry Davis and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up at the end of this segment, I will give you a chance to win a four-pack of tickets to next week's Budweiser Bash for Cardinals versus Cubs. That's coming up on Tuesday, August 2nd. Hopefully, you'll be able to see Juan Soto in his first game in a Cardinals uniform. In Quintana. <laughs> More likely Quintana. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kerry, when we said this going into break, you said immediately, oh, there's only one. There's, it's a very clear there is one guy that has the most pressure heading into this Such upcoming deep, NFL geez, season. I moved commercial so yes. we can get to it sooner. Who is it's it? Only one. Only one. Cowboys. No brainer. Dak Prescott, Mike McCarthy. You, if, if, when you are, you are, when your owner comes out and says, I got plenty of options. If he wasn't, if I didn't want him here, he wouldn't be here. It sounds like I got options. Like, and, and, I mean, just think about that. If if you were, if your your significant other said, if I didn't want Whoa. you, you wouldn't Whoa. be here. I got options. How, how would she that, did say that to me? <laughs> I, I feel mean, seen. <laughs> <laughs> so that that there to me, Dak Prescott got a contract. Mike McCarthy had some has had some very questionable. Late in game decisions or or non decisions. We talked about the QB draw. Like, it was understandable. That, that was bad, but that was <laughs> I. I almost understood that if they could have got the ball spiked, there was no. I did. That was that was that was wasn't a great call or a great decision. Carrie, if I you called that for Hazelwood, I would I would rip I would you not, to shreds. I would not put that solely on him because I don't think he's he was calling the offensive plays Touché. at the time. But there were some questionable timeouts. Some non timeouts. There was a lot of poor clock management in games where there should have been a timeout called, and he just seemed like he didn't know what the hell was going on. Um, so yeah, I think I think when it comes down to it, Dallas Cowboys, who you no, know, I I hate the the moniker America's team because they you know that was something that they came up with. It's eh, whatever. Not really. give yourself your own nickname. No, no. Well, who does that? Obviously, the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I think they are the ones that have the most pressure on them as far as quarterback and head coach. See, I I like that one, and that's probably number two for me on my list. 
number one for me is Kyler and uh, Cliff Kingsbury because Kyler just got this big contract. He's got to he's got to have his homework hours. Uh, <laughs> he and, does have to do his study hours. His study <laughs> and, and, hall. And Kingsbury, look, if I'm being completely honest, he probably should have been fired after last year, after the debacle and the wild card and the complete collapse in the second half. And honestly, I just don't think he's a very good head coach. I. I think those two have the most pressure riding on them. And I don't think the Cardinals did them many favors by helping them out much in their off season. And you're without Deandre, I think Deandre Hopkins is suspended. Six, I think the first six games, six games. Uh, for his violation of the drug policy in the NFL. So I, I think those two have the most pressure, but I like the Cowboys one too. And I think the big domino that's kind of sitting out there for, or not the big domino, but the big fish that's out there in the water is just lurking that everybody's going to want next off season. Whether you're the Cardinals and you fire Kingsbury or you're the Cowboys and you fire McCarthy is, Sean Payton. I mean, yeah. he makes a ton of sense for the Cowboys. He would make a ton of sense if he wanted, if the Cardinals wanted to bring him in to replace Kingsbury. Like he's going to be the number one sought after commodity after this season for whatever team has any questions with their head coach. I've got three. We got three guys, two quarterbacks, one coach that I think are under a ton Miami of pressure going into this year. Miami is one of them. That's Tua Tungavailoa. I if he does not perform this year, they will replace him going into next with year. Tom I, Brady. Potentially. (laughs) Maybe it'll be Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe it'll be a guy that they trade up for. I'm not sure who it's going to be, but they have invested so much into this offense that if he can't get it done, he's going to be replaced next year. I'm not I'm not that far off of Tua. I think Tua still has. Now, when you look at the draft and and saying seeing what Herbert did, I think I think when other players play well, it it, it ruins what you've done or what you were able to do. Uh, because Matthew Liberatore, he doesn't have any added <laughs> pressure because of that Randy Rosarena character. So it, 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 it makes it a little bit harder on you because of what someone else is doing. But it doesn't mean you're performing poorly or or, or as poorly as it may seem. You're just not as as great or as good as that guy that you got a noodle would, arm. It's fine. Go. They've done that with Chad Pennington. I, it worked out all right. I think. I think that Tua. I'm. I'm not as. I, I'm higher on Tua than a lot of people. I think he's going to be okay. I think Tua's all right. I think Tua can be like a. Can Tua be Ryan Tannehill? Like I think that's the question that they're trying I to think find he can out. Be this better year. than Ryan Tannehill. Okay. I, I, I believe he. I. Be, I think he can be. I think he. I mean, Ryan Tannehill is a very good quarterback, but I think Tua's upside is is higher or greater than than. If Ryan. he becomes that, I think they're good and okay. they're set. Like if he can, if he's anything close to Ryan Tannehill or what Ryan Tannehill has been over the last few years for Tennessee, where they were legitimate contenders at times, in part because Ryan Tannehill was playing well and he was surrounded by some really high level talent. That's where Tua is at right now. He's got to be that guy. I, if he's not, I think they'll replace him. Another guy in a similar situation is Jalen Hurts. That's the other one that I was going to say. The Eagles have surrounded him with a ton of talent. A.J. Brown is a superstar. And that guy, like, if they're, if I was starting a team today, he would be one of the five wide receivers that I would want to build around because of the way that he can win. I can put him anywhere. I can put him in the slot. I can put him outside. I can go deep. I can go across the middle. Anything you want to do, A.J. Brown can get that done for you. And, oh, by the way, Devontae Smith's a pretty damn good wide yes, receiver on the other side as well. And I think they've got a pretty good coaching staff in terms of making it so that way it's easier for him to have success. Jalen Hurts, and by the way, they got a ton of draft capital next year. If he doesn't get it done, he's going to be replaced as well. So those are the two quarterbacks that I think enter this year with the most on the line. Like if we're talking about stakes. You mentioned a team, and I'm curious your guys' thoughts on where you think they rank in terms of this. What about Tannehill and uh, Vrabel in Tennessee? Because after last year's exit early in the playoffs, like I look, I don't know if they can do that again. I'm starting to wonder if Henry's starting to break down just a little bit. I hope not. We know what the t- we know what the upside is in Ryan Tannehill. I mean, you saw it last year. And the defensively, I think they took another step back. I'm not sure they're as good defensively this year. They don't have the weapons as they traded AJ Brown, as you mentioned, to Philly. So, 
I mean, how much pressure is on Vrabel and Ryan Tannehill? I would put them in towards the top end of my list. In my Zero opinion. pressure on Vrabel because I think he's considered to be one of the top 10 yes. coaches in the league. More Ryan Tannehill, Tannehill is very different. He's going to be 35 next year. And they got a quarterback behind him. And too, they drafted a, a guy that they that most people thought would be a first, be the first draft, be the first quarterback taken end up going in the third round. And Malik Willis, like you said, they, he, so anytime they draft your position, you need to start paying attention. And in the NFL, <laughs> it's all about guaranteed money. That's what it's all about. You can see whatever the dollar figure is that's next to somebody's name when it comes to their cap pit what is guaranteed and right now ryan Tannehill, they can't cut him it would cost them 57 million dollars this year against the cap to cut ryan Tannehill. next year though carrie davis that drops down to 18 million dollars only 18 of his 36 million dollars is guaranteed going into next year they can get out of that contract it's the first time that they can do so so ryan Tannehill ton of pressure there i agree with you there the one other guy that i would add to this list and i don't think it's because he's going to get fired but i think there will be some skepticism about whether or not he is what he was built up to be it's brandon staley the head coach of the los angeles chargers i love brandon staley i i I like him a lot as well i think he's a really good coach i think defensively he is outstanding and what he did with the rams a couple of years ago was nothing short of miraculous however There were some decisions last year that came under scrutiny. Whether I agree with them or not doesn't much matter. His team last year went 9-8 and with a rocket ship of a quarterback. (laughs) They just added a ton of talent this offseason. They brought in J.C. Jackson. They bring in Khalil Mack. They are loading up now for a run. If they aren't able to go like... 11 and six or at least 10 and seven and make the playoffs and potentially go on a run this year, there will be some real questions from a large percentage of football viewers that say, "Mm, maybe Brandon Staley's not what we thought he was. I think he's okay because of the division that he's in. They had some, some questionable fourth down uh, conversions that didn't go well. Um, And, and if I'm not mistaken, I think they lost a few more games. They lost, Two years ago, they lost a bunch of games by two or three points yeah. or less, missing field goals. And I think they had a couple of those last year as well. Um, but I, I, I do. I think when you have a quarterback like like Justin Herbert, your your job is pretty secure as long as he's doing what what you need him to do, and he's playing at a high level. They are in a very tough division, and and they could be they could they could realistically be above five hundred and not make the playoffs in that division because it's it's going to be tough to 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 make it out. You may have three teams from that division make it to the playoffs. So it's if they are the fourth fourth team in that division, but still nine ten wins, that's a possibility, and 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 may not make it to 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 the playoffs. They lost two of their last four games last year in overtime. One yeah. of those was against Kansas City on that yeah. unreal oh, yeah. uh, Travis, Travis Kelsey, Kelsey yeah. play, and then the last game of the year in overtime against the Las Vegas <laughs> Raiders. Should have played for the tie. Yeah, so th- those they would have they would have made it to the playoffs yeah. if, they, if they get the tie, mm-hmm. and the Steelers would have been out. I, I am, yes, he did. I was gonna say, I remember one. Yeah. I couldn't remember if that was one of those coaching decisions that we look back on. That is correct. Yeah. Uh, so th- I think he's a guy. It, it's different, right? Like the stakes for Tua or Jalen Hurts is you get replaced. Like you're done. Your chances of being a starter for that team next year are nil if you don't play well this year. I'm with you, Kerry. Like, it's not as if Brandon Staley is going to get fired after this season. That's that's not on the line yeah. for him. I just think there's pressure of, like, right now, I think some view him as a top 10 coach in the league. I think there will be more questions about that after the year if they don't perform well. Right, wrong, or indifferent. Coming up next, we're going to dive into the BK and Ferrario Rewind. But right now, 65780 is your comfort service tax line. If your texture number 100, you know what? No. 
if you are texture number 50 after Adam Wainwright's performance last night, and you can tell me what we talked about earlier today in the junk drawer, who was the coach that made fun of Tennessee? Tell me his name, your texture number 50. You will have a chance to win a four pack of tickets to next week's Budweiser bash for Cardinals versus Cubs. It includes a Ozzy Smith bobblehead giveaway. You can check out all the details right now. Cardinals.com slash promotions. BK and Ferrario Rewind is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. And I'm Brandon Kylie. If you missed anything from today's show, be sure to check out the podcast page. It's all brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers at 101ESPN.com and the free 101 ESPN app. We had great conversations with Mike Farron of MLB Network Radio who said, to hell with the prospects. Give it all up for Juan Soto. And then Jim Duquette joined us to say, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're going to need those prospects. He's a former MLB general manager. But he wasn't like super against trading for Juan Soto. So that's the recap of those two things. I, I wanted to read something from Katie Wu's story from today to finish off today's show, show with the BK and Ferrario Rewind. So Katie Wu is as tied in as anybody that follows the Cardinals. And she's going to join us on Monday when Alex is back. Uh, Soto's in, wearing red. Yeah, yeah, Alex is back with us. She had a couple of lines in her story that just came out moments ago titled, The Cardinals Trade Targets, What Starting Pitchers Make the Most Sense as the Deadline Nears? That really caught my eye. So she says at the beginning of this, basically, that um, the Cardinals are involved in conversations on a number of different potential pitchers. She says that selling teams have leverage right now, which is driving up the price that it is going to take to acquire a starter. She then adds, one could make the argument that if pitching is going to cost them so heavily, the Cardinals might as well just trade for Juan Soto. Then she continues further down in her story, talking about what Frankie Montas is going to cost and how expensive it's going to be. She said, it's worth repeating that if Montas' asking price is so high, wouldn't it make more sense for the Cardinals to just be all in on Soto and look for smaller, more incremental upgrades for their pitching staff? I think this is where I'm at, Carrie. I know this is where I'm at now. I don't want to give a massive haul for any of these starters. I don't. If you can get a Pablo Lopez for like straight up for Nolan Gorman, I would give serious consideration to doing something like that. Maybe the same thing could be true of like a Luis Castillo, but they're not going to do that because it's in the division. If you're going to have to give up a bunch, like you're going to have to give up Gorman plus more in terms of prospect capital for one of these guys. I would just rather call the Nationals and say, what can we do to create some sort of a package surrounded around these guys that we were already going to give up? for the starting pitching, because Juan Soto is going to impact your team more than these starting pitchers are. The difference between Juan Soto and whoever the next available guy as a bat is so much wider than the difference between any of these starters and what you could reasonably get for basically nothing on the trade market and then in the offseason for the starting pitchers. So, like, I would rather get Soto plus Cindergaard and then name your number five starter Mm -hmm. that you can get for nothing. 
than getting a Pablo Lopez in like a bench bat that they could potentially acquire or a low-level reliever that they could acquire. That's where I'm at on these sweepstakes. Well, I, I mean, just the sheer numbers of it, Juan Soto is going to play every day and the pitcher is going to pitch every fifth day. So, you know, if you have to give up, as she said, if you have to give up so much for a guy, and, and you talked about it earlier, pitchers tend to have injuries. They become injury-prone, elbows, shoulders, things of that nature because of all, all of the torque that they put on their bodies. If you can get a, uh, I have said it again, I will say it again, a generational talent that is one Juan Soto for whatever you would be giving up for one of those pitchers that that, that you spoke of, you might as well get the bat and we'll figure out. We'll, we'll figure it out, man. <laughs> and, we'll figure it out. And I'll say this real quick. I'm still skeptical of giving up the farm for a Juan Soto, but I will say this. You can go and acquire a Montas for that asking price of what we're saying where it could be if we're going to give up this amount of prospect that's pretty similar to Gorman what you could. Gorman plus. Gorman plus, and then it's probably going to take Gorman plus plus to go get Soto. I can make the argument it's a lot easier to see a prospect that could go to the Oakland A's, be become a really good player that would equal what you get from Frankie Montas. I find it very hard to see a player that goes to the Nationals could become, A, just as good as what Juan Soto was, and B, what that package ultimately could do to equal up to what Juan Soto does. That would be my counter-argument to myself when I'm talking about the Juan Soto That's a really good point. You are much more likely to regret trading for one of these pitchers than you are to regret trading for Juan Soto. (laughs) Much more likely. Honestly, the odds are you're probably going to regret trading for what it's going to cost for one of these starters because the likelihood is, even though they have uh, technically more years on their contract, they're probably going to miss at least a decent portion of one of those years because of the injuries that we just all know come with starting pitching. So moral of the story, just go get Juan Soto. Carrie, I know that was your point to open the show today. It was been, it's been awesome to be able to have you in. Hopefully we'll be able to do this again soon, man. Glad to be here. Thank you. He's Carrie Davis, Super Bowl champion. That's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. We'll be back with Hannah Yates in tomorrow. Alex Ferrario is back in with us on Monday. The fast lane's coming up from two to six here on one one ESPN. Oh yeah. Good, clean fun. You've been listening to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.